everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I am Kate Kennedy. I am a Chicago-based 30-something. My birthday was two days ago, and I think I've officially entered 30-something territory. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, an author, a pop culture commentator, a podcaster, obviously. And uh, a lot of you are probably new here because we have an awesome guest today, Grace Atwood from The Stripe, from Amazon nightgown fame. And uh, it's such a fun interview. And if you're new here, basically this podcast is, it's the namesake of my company, Be There in Five, which took off unexpectedly when I painted Turn Off Your Curling Iron on my doormat and created something called the Remind Doormat. We sold thousands and thousands of doormats. I quit my job. I was thrust into self-employment and I had a lot of lonely long days and I have such a natural interest in pop culture that I was digesting all this information and listening to podcasts and all this stuff. And I had nobody to talk to about the important things in life, like The Bachelor or Bravo or when Taylor Swift is Nick Cage style building treasure maps, drop clues for her albums. I, I wanted to talk about influencers and bloggers because I felt like E! News and the like, you know, obviously like Team Jen forever, but like I'm not like super interested in Jennifer Aniston anymore. But like I do need to see, you know, Ruby Lou Charnis's eye makeup look that she got before the Harper's Bazaar Gala. Like that is interesting. That is hard hitting. This is what the people want. And um yeah, this podcast has kind of just turned into an amalgam of all the things that I think represent uh, current or past zeitgeist that I love talking about, whether it's, you know, talking about 2000s mall culture, talking about my time like in a sorority when everything was so needlessly dramatic, um, talking about how 2004 was like the greatest year in music. Look it up. You'll your mind will be blown at all the top 40 songs that came out in 2004. Or I mean, I just did a like almost six hour three part series on Mormon mommy bloggers, because again, like. there's so many people out there that are interested in these and the way I've kind of positioned it is like the things that aren't being talked about in the newsrooms but are being talked about in the chat rooms and like I know it's not 1999 but newsroom v chat room is like so much cuter and quippier than like I don't know discussion boards and Facebook groups anyway just wanted to kind of you know establish what we're doing here and who the hell I am because I know whenever I listen to a podcast for the first time it takes forever to get used to somebody's voice cadence etc. And one other quick disclaimer, if um, when I do interviews, they're always at like, between like minute 15 and 22 of the podcast. I'm not doing the longest intros ever and like being a crazy self absorbed person that's talking about myself. Think of them as segments because the interview piece is like pretty evergreen. But since this is my podcast this weekend, I usually talk about what's current. I try to do like a segment in the beginning that's like what's going on what I'm thinking about what you know, typical podcast stuff I would talk about because the the listener feedback has been, we love having the guests on, but 90% of the episodes are me solo. And when I stopped doing that piece, you know, altogether, there was kind of a request for more of a balance of, of content. So anyway, I, I just wanted to explain, like, I'm not putting off the intro and I'm not just like rambling for the hell of it. it this, this is kind of the structure of this podcast. It's like from the beginning, I would like start on a topic or a song or something. And I would just keep talking and like string together different thoughts and pop culture people and then kind of try to backtrack. And it's kind of the shtick of this podcast. And your first I I say this not to be overly defensive or anything, but just because I have new listeners that have been really nice and been like, yeah, this took me a second to get used to. And I'm like, I appreciate that. That can help me explain to people like I'm not trying to have a podcast. that sounds like everybody else's. But I also, you know, if you just want to go to the interview, go to the interview. It's at it's you know going to be after minute 15. You'll find it pretty easily. No harm no foul, but obviously I want to do what's most important to my longer term listeners. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because later on Grace and I will talk about how 
you don't need to address the group for a handful of comments, but I actually really do care how the format's perceived and I do care about retention. And um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of level set in terms of uh, my goal here. I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm just legitimately a regular person putting myself out here and just trying to have fun and do something entertaining and just a girl in front of a mic trying to figure out if I should bring up Caroline Calloway. That is a tangent that I don't think I can get on today. I, I don't even know where to begin, guys. I, I don't think she's deep dive material. I don't, it's like, I don't want to give people more press, but also there's a volatility there, but also I just am not convinced that like they're not in on this together. They both have so much to gain. She owes so much money to her publisher. And it's kind of like the perfect storm of publicity, of press, of having an angle she needs to respond to. She already has a New York Times interview lined up. I, it's, I don't know. She's like making things Easter eggy, like the Yale plates, <laughs> you know, like aspects of lore, like it's the scarf from All Too Well. I don't know. Something's just not sitting right. Like when I first read the article, I was just like, I think so taken aback by the assault commentary on behalf of Natalie. But having, you know, digested it now, I'm like, it was about like everything and nothing. It was just like about a lot of bad, toxic female behavior that I think can have a deeper message, but it also could just be surface level. Like it's just a toxic friendship. Like it's not necessarily criminal. It's just really important to be mindful of, of manipulative, emotionally abusive people that take advantage of you. But similarly, it's also important for those of us to realize when relationships aren't healthy for us and to, to walk away. Not that I blame her for not doing so, but I do think that like there needed to be some accountability there of like she was treating me like garbage, but like I and giving me active options to walk away. And I kept coming back. But like, why is that? Like, let's dig into that. Let's dig into the root cause and help young women figure out why we're so drawn to those type of people. And um, yeah, I just feel a lot of different ways about it. And I don't know. We'll see. Let me know what you think. I asked I asked in the Facebook group and I don't know. Responses are mixed. Um, and like, I just I, I don't know. Am I am I interested? I can't decide. Like, it's not my brand of influencer that I'm interested in. Like, I I really respect the type of influencer that has built a business and brand out of nothing when there was no blueprint at the time for what success looked like. And a lot of bloggers and content creators like actually run sound business models. Caroline, to me, strikes me more as a person whose privilege enables her to kind of rebrand erratic behavior and carelessness and indecisiveness as kind of necessary functions of an artist. Whereas like in the regular world that just doesn't fly with like normal jobs with people that need to like support themselves, make a living, et cetera. It's just not, there's no business model there. The, the, I, but again, like I am a, I am a person that pitches a lot of book ideas. I, I want to write books. Like that would be my ideal living. And I mean, in addition to being Delilah, obviously, but, um, it's really hard. It's really hard to get a book deal. And I got my first one last year and my advance that I, I literally dropped to my knees, cried, wept on the floor about w was literally a, a single digit percentage of what hers was. And essentially an advance is like a projection of how, how they think you'll do in sales. And without a book, a previous book, it's very, you, you usually don't get a very high advance because they can't project your selling power. Like you could be a really popular person, but still, you know, not sell through books. You could be a not popular person and it could explode. 
So it's kind of a, a risk and people negotiate as much as they can. But I, like for her to have a memoir at that rate, $375,000 at her age is, is unheard of. And for her to just miss the deadline and just be like, I don't want to create something I'm not proud of. Like, it's just bullshit. It's so stupid. It's so irresponsible. And I've, I don't know. I just have no patience for people that, you know, I get it. Like, you want to make good work. There's emotions an aspect of it. Motivation's an aspect of it. Whatever. But you don't squander the biggest deal of your life that anybody would kill for just because, like, you're not feeling it. You know, you don't screw people over. You promise things, too. You don't screw over the publisher. In advance is a, they, what they pay you. And then you don't make book royalties until you've paid that back. So it's kind of like a debt almost. So Flatiron, pay, if, you know, I don't know how much they paid her. There's probably a schedule. I know I got one when I signed, one payment when I signed, one payment when the tra- manuscript went in, and one payment when the book came out. Um, however much money she's gotten so far, it's a debt to them because they're not going to make it up with sales. So they were assuming within a reasonable amount of time the book would at least sell to where their margin was $375,000 and then she it would be it would be paid back. It's literally in advance of what they think you're going to sell, but you get it early because you're having to spend time on the book. But it, yeah, it's a debt. So not only does she have that debt period, but she, if she's never going to sell a book, she's going to have to pay them back. And I'm sure they're in like crazy litigation and like something's weird about it. And I just feel like this whole scenario, like it's not legally incriminating to any of them. They bring up that she owes her publisher a lot of money. She's needs another book deal. Part of me's like, is she, you know, like maybe Natalie really is just like willing to do what it takes for a buck. Cause I was a little bit uh, put off by how persistent she was despite being like treated by garbage, like just because she wanted to write because she, you know, needed to, to make money and wanted to have a name for herself and, I don't know. Part of me is just like the way the whole thing is so weird. I, I, I can't get, I can't get too far into it, but I guess apparently I am interested. Um, but I just I will I, I have trouble respecting, especially the decisions made with the book deal. If what she did to Natalie is true, like it's just it's disgusting behavior on so many levels. I'm interested to see how she responds. Everybody deserves the right to defend themselves and respond. Um, and I think just the thing is, it's like, nobody sees themselves as being, you know, the bad guy, like people always will justify their behavior. And I just think there's bigger things going on there that I just, I don't know. I don't know, guys, if there's developments, then maybe we'll get more into it. But now I would just be like wildly speculating. And the more time goes on, I'm just like super skeptical, but then I don't want to like drag a situation that's actually really serious and be totally wrong. You know, I feel like there's a level of responsibility I need to exercise. But anyway, this this is an example of an influencer I'm, I'm not as uh, concerned with. I like the ones that are adding value to our days, that make us smile, that are relatable, that don't overfocus on aspiration, that give us transparency, that are honest, that focus on causes that they care about. I, the, the, these are the people that I love to interview because there cannot be more snark on the Internet, like everywhere available about bloggers and influencers. But it's because so many of them do not do it well. So I think it's really worth celebrating the ones that do and the ones that have really built something and the ones that put such genuine effort into, you know, developing their business around their audience and not just like seeming like they resent every single person that's remotely interested in their life, <laughs> which, you know, drives me crazy. But I'm so excited you guys get to hear this interview with Grace. It was so wonderful to sit down with her. I'm lucky enough to call her a friend. We have a lot of mutual friends, met a few months ago, have hung out a few times and I just really, really enjoy her. She's very 
smart and funny and dynamic and um, just knows so much about the industry and is so, so honest that it's incredibly refreshing. And I'd honestly say she's one of the few people that she could walk off of your phone and into your living room and you would be talking to the exact same person. Like what you see is what you get. I love that about her. She's the exact person she is online as she is in real life. And we all know that's not always the case either. And, um, you know, the only, the only tough part was like, you know, they say never meet your heroes. And I did meet Tyrion and he could not have been less interested in me, but that is what I expect from like most celebrities that I come into contact with. But you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 he had, he had, he had some issues with his eyes, bless his heart. But I, I was hoping, you know, he might warm up to me a little bit more. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. At least Grace and I are pals. <laughs> um, we talk about so much stuff that I think a lot of people won't talk about, like, you know, what it means to get verified, what it means to, like, how you feel when you lose followers, when people talk badly about you, you know, how do you feel about DMs and, like, getting too many of them? Do you want to complain? Like, what annoys you about them? Do you think you have the right to be annoyed? Do you think you have to respond? Like, I think a lot of the, those kind of conversations are interesting because they're kind of logistics and minutia that it's would be very gratuitous for somebody to bring up on their own. But if you're being like asked about it, I think it's like so interesting for people to answer. And, you know, just a reminder, like, obviously, we're talking about things that are kind of trivial in nature, like followers, etc. And it's not an effort to seem like self-congratulatory, but rather... You know, th these things are interesting to some people. And for those that want to see more behind the scenes, it's extremely cool for her to be this candid. And you have to remember, like for bloggers and influencers, it's not followers for like this kind of hollow satisfaction of, of, of general popularity. It's eyeballs equals cash equals income. And if this is your full time job, Things like your follower count and your DMs and your engagement and your likes and your comments, these things are, are metrics that ultimately contribute to how you're able to support yourself. And I just think that's important to remember because it's, it, 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 there's not the same context as like a, you're like a person like you or me that just like wants a lot of likes on their photos because it's embarrassing not to get any or like wants attention and like talks to themselves on their phone. Like I don't monetize my Instagram. Like I've never done a brand deal that like I need to get like likes and comments for. So I don't even have, you know, the full picture and understanding of, of um, using, using it in that kind of context. I love an occasional story at our affiliate situation. It just is like quick 24 hours. It's pretty transparent, like whatever, but the captions, like the pre-written copy for, in feed ads just kill me i just i would have the hardest time not being able to write that myself it's like hey gals smiley face do you pointer finger love summer sunshine well wait till you see binoculars what we've pointing fingers got for you and your gal pals ballerina twins ballerina twins ballerina twins and i'm just like i don't talk like that i don't talk like you know i'm, a, I'm an mlm rep for jamberry nails so I, I don't think that makes sense for you either, you know, insert boxed wine company here or something, you know what I mean? Um, but anyways, that's all for a different day. I uh, The only thing I forgot to ask Grace about that I was kind of mad at myself is media trips. I'm like obsessed with media trips. I want to go on one so badly. Um, even though I'm not like trying to be a full-time influencer, I still wish like there's a way that I could go and observe these things and kind of report back on them as like a half influencer. You know what I mean? I just want to know, like, are you taking photos all day? Do you, are you just constantly standing on services, taking aerial shots of your food? Like, like the aerial bed and breakfast kill me. I've, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but it irritates me to no end that it's just like 
bowls and bowls and bowls of fruit. Like, if you want me to trust you, get a two-egg scramble. Get get sausage, a variety of brex- breakfast meats, both patties and links. This is free. Take advantage of it. Eat something with substance, for the love of God. There's just a lot of yogurts and parfaits happening, and I just don't respect it. A lot of croissants, too many croissants. I'll drop kick a croissant. I prefer a biscuit any day. I don't need those crumbs in my life. And I just feel like I'm kind of tired of seeing photos of these like super indulgent meals that aren't even, they don't even look good. It's just like, but what is your life? Like th- these are the things about influencers, like share your actual life. That's awesome. But the ones that are still doing the like, okay, wake up, do full hair and makeup, put on a huge terry cloth robe, put some Watts up benefit highlighter on my clavicle, you know, toss my terry cloth robe ever so lightly off of my shoulder. So as to show off my, my newly highlighted, you know, petite collarbone that is as, as sharp as bird a la mode's, you know, Oaxaca butter knife that she wanted to take to the airport. I'd say machete, but again, very alarming murder weapon. And, you know, obviously clearing underbrush of sugar cane. But I guess what I'm saying is, I want to go on an influencer trip. I don't know if it should be like Josie Grossy never been kissed, where like I'm trying to fit in, but people notice that like I haven't done as much preventative skincare. I have more of a traditional foil highlight and not like a sun-kissed balayage. And I do not have a toned upper ab area. So they might be on to me. You know, the 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 it the good part for them is that I would take all their photos because I'm not gonna get in a bikini photo because if you force people to get in bikini photos, you're kind of an asshole. Because I think it's like really lame when people project their security onto people and like force them to like feign body confidence for your dumb photo. Like if, if you have a bridal party and you're making everybody wear like a matching one piece and not taking into account the discomfort some people might feel with their body type and whatever particular cut it is, the, the, the insanity of the side boob for busty people and like a wrestling singlet style, you know, one piece. It's just like it's rude. This stuff's personal and it doesn't mean I'm like self-conscious and it doesn't mean I'm like in trouble. It just means I don't always feel like not wearing clothes and more so wearing ill-fitting clothes when the sun is the brightest shining on me. Like it's okay to not like always want to be like out and about showing everything off. Like it's fine. It's a matter of personal preference. Just don't like force people into bathing suit photos. Post the ones that are just good of you. Put them on Facebook and then have everybody, everybody's like, you know, like friends, aunts and uncles who like always friend you, you know, see you like half naked. I just the whole thing is strange. But anyway, I I just think it would be fun. I would love to like go talk about a hotel room like it was so revolutionary. Like guys, like, well, would you believe this hotel? I have this room. It is called a standard double. Look, there's two beds. There are two full beds. And out there, that's a garden. I am just so blessed with this garden view. And I'm like, oh, girlfriend, there's an influencer there way more important to you that got the ocean view. At least a pool view. Garden view is tough stuff. That is like you are the Tinsley Mortimer of the trip. Like you were just kind of like the runt that got left behind that people find to be a little meek. So they just assumed you would take the worst room and like not even worry about it. It's quite funny to me. And like, I also love too with hotels and travel, like, um, you guys, uh, I love Kathleen Barnes and she was in like Austria and stuff recently. Literally everywhere she went, people were like making Ferris wheels of cupcakes for her. She had like calligraphied cards on every table. She had like, the, the, the world was her oyster. And I was like, this is amazing and it's so smart and it's shareable and it's great PR for the hotel and like, awesome. 
you know, sometimes when I go to a hotel, I'll shoot them a DM. I'm like, hey, can't wait to stay there. Like I'll ask a question. Maybe sometimes it's legit. Maybe sometimes I just want to see if they happen to take an interest in a fledgling author. I don't need much. Just maybe like a greeting and like a free muffin or something. But no, no one no one cares. It, nobody cares about you. It is so funny. Like truly at this point in life, unless you have like bonkers amounts of followers, like you, nobody cares. <laughs> and usually what happens is they're like, hey, cool. Here's the link to the FAQ on the website. Um, I go to the hotel, nothing happens. They're basically like, don't hit your head on the way out. And then I get charged an exorbitant fee because I try to put some takeout box I'm never going to touch, but I feel guilty throwing away. And I move around like, you know, weight centric uh, mini bar system. And everybody thinks that I pounded, you know, four miniature Tito's vodkas. And it's just frustrating. (laughs) The special treatment would be fun every now and again. But then I also like want to report back if like this trip wasn't fun. Are people just taking photos? Do people just have to get in glam constantly? Is it like competitive? Is it just like a, like one too many like super skinny people that just like give you the heeb jeebs because they're only eating egg whites? Like I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very interested in the whole thing. Anyway, see, this is what I mean. <laughs> but if I'm thinking about something, I just want to talk about it because usually you guys are thinking similar things and just get it out. But hopefully those of you that don't want to be here just skipped on over it anyways, because obviously Grace is the better part of this episode. That's why we're here. Love her so much. And I'm so happy that you guys get to hear all this. I really hope you enjoy it. I think you will. So without further ado, on this installment of Be There in Five Podcasts under the Influencer Series, our esteemed guest, Grace Atwood. So I am here with Grace Atwood, founder of the blog, The Stripe, FKA Sequins and Stripes. Mm-mm. Stripes and Sequins. <laughs> you can leave that in. Liz is my good friend. She was Sequins and Stripes. That's why I'm confused. You and the rest of the world. So I started my blog as Stripes and Sequins. Liz Adams started hers as Sequins and Stripes. We have the same taste in everything and frequently still to this day buy the same clothing. Um, but I rebranded in... I re- in 2015, yeah. I want to say, as the Stripe, right? And she recently rebranded to Hello Adams Family, right? Yeah, love Liz, Ad- love Liz Adams, yeah. But also, I feel like even though you rebranded, you're such an OG. It helps, like people remember me my as, memory as that. Okay, guys, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna try that one again. <laughs> I am here with Grace Atwood, founder of the blog The Stripe, formerly known as Stripes and Sequins co-host of the Bad on Paper podcast, former corporate marketer, and like all, all, all around beloved influencer that is doing all of the things that I too love in an influencer, being relatable yet aesthetically cohesive, focusing on transparency, but not to the point where you're bitter, unafraid to take risks on new projects to kind of keep evolving and also aligning with causes that are important to you and your readers. And I think that you are just such a great example of a person who's done this very well, and I'm very impressed by you, and I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, my God. Thank you. That is the nicest intro ever. <laughs> I have a podcast, so I frequently write intros for other people, but I've never had someone say such nice things about me. Thank you. Of course. I was telling Grace before we started that I, um, you know, I lurk in the depths of the internet. I don't really sleep, and I see like a lot of forums about you know, bloggers and the like. And I feel like Grace is one of the few people that people genuinely talk good about you behind your back. 
It's really nice. <laughs> and, and, and I, I want to read these I things. I want you Send to know that. To me. Because when it's about you, you're not going to look, right? But if I pass it with somebody I know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell them because I want people to know that there's positive chatter in the wild because you always hear the worst. You know, I read the bad stuff about me, but I think it makes me better at my job. You think so? Yeah, I haven't. And recently, I don't think there's been anything bad. There could be, and I just didn't see it. But um, I've learned a lot from like negative comments about me on the internet. Like if you can just look at it really subjectively and be like, oh yeah, well, I, I did do that. And that probably would be annoying if I wasn't me and was looking at this random stranger on the internet. Right. I feel like, did you, you probably had to get to that point though, because I do think there's a correlation between how well established you are and how affected you are by those things. I've always just been of the mindset. I think it is the PNG in me. When I worked there, they were just like so open and honest with you all the time. Like we had reviews every three months, but my manager would frequently pull me in aside and be like, hey, you know, I just want to give you some feedback. Like, really? you know, when you were in that meeting, you said this, like, also like, don't put a smiley face in your, in your, in your recaps. <laughs> and I, I remember like typing up meeting notes and be like, thanks everyone. Smiley face. Like now I can do that because I'm self-employed. But when you work for Procter and Gamble, maybe don't do that. Right. Okay. I never, I did not know you were for PNG. I want to loop back. Okay. Can you tell what, so I asked people on Instagram too, to ask questions for you. And a lot of people were like very interested in your background. Like where, like, where are you from? Where'd you work before the blog? All of that good stuff. Okay. So I'm 37. I have a long career. Like I look young. It's really mostly my, I mean, my mom looks like she's like 45, I think. And she's 65. But, um, so people think that I like don't have as much work experience as I do. But prior to leaving my job, I worked in corporate in a corporate environment for 12 years. So I started my career I well, I grew up on Cape Cod. I went to college in Boston at Bentley University where okay. I majored in finance. Then I um took a job as an assistant buyer for like three and a half years working in retail. I loved it. Um I I was in the women's fragrances department, but then our um Filene's was the department store and they were purchased by Macy's. So I was kind of at a crossroads. I had to, I knew I kind of needed to move to New York. I was terrified of New York. I'd been here like twice. I thought of it as like a big, scary, yeah. terrifying place that I did not belong in. So like, I was like, I don't really want to move there, but I also want to work in fashion. And so what ended up happening was I interviewed at Macy's, didn't really want to go work there. I didn't felt like I had this bitterness towards the company that had bought my beloved company, but I also had an offer with a company that had been just bought by Procter and Gamble. And you know, my boss at the time was like such a mentor to me. And he was like, you need to take that. That is going to be how you get like all of the best marketing experience. Working for Procter and Gamble is like a Harvard MBA in itself because they invest so much in their people and there's so much training and true. there's so much this and that. And so I was like, okay. So I went there. Um, moved to New York, was so broke. I mean, this is not part of my career, but I might as well tell you, was so broke. I lived, my wonderful aunt in New Jersey let me live with her for three months while I saved up the money for first lesson security mm. to split a one bedroom with who became one of my best friends. Um, so we lived in Stytown in a one bedroom. It was Stytown. Yes. <laughs> yes. I forget that you lived here. So nostalgic for Stytown. Oh my God, I know. So then I was there. Um, I was at PNG for almost four years. I was laid off, which was so upsetting at the time. But then I got a job offer working for Cody. Um, oh. I then became like a marketing manager on Sally Hansen nail color. 
So I was like naming nail polishes, picking out shades, creating all those in-store displays that you see when you see walk into CVS, like end caps and things like that. Um, that's like such a, that's like everyone thinks naming things is their dream career, but it's very hard. It's so hard when it's your job. <laughs> like Becca, who I host my podcast with, was like, that's the dream job. I'm like, it actually isn't when you're like, what is this name for this random like red coral shade like right and it has to be creative and different and you can't say flame or fire like so it's super hard and I had this awful boss and that's when I started my blog because I just felt so defeated every day like yeah I went in there and she was so mean to me she was she had a reputation in the company and like it wasn't a good one okay so after I was only at Cody I want to say for like two years mm-hmm. I got a job through the blog that I had started, which was a tiny baby. Like it was not a good blog. And this is what, 2010? This was 20, 2011 maybe. Okay. Cause I started the blog in 2010. Um, it was not anything good, but it was like my little baby, but I had written about Bala Bar a bunch of times and I just liked them. I liked what they were doing. I liked the model. I liked the fact that they were taking the markup out of costume jewelry because that shit gets marked up so, so much. Right. Like their whole thing was like, why is a pair of like acrylic and brass earrings $300? Right. Like why? <laughs> and they were kind of pioneers in influencer marketing. They really yeah. embraced bloggers. That was me. That was, that was, oh. I, so I went and I ran social and influencer for them um, for four years. And that not, not that was me, but that was me. Um, Because you were in, you understood it. You were on the front lines of it. Yeah. So I really just committed to meeting every fashion blogger I could at the time. And that was easier then because there was only like 30 good ones maybe. And just getting our product on everyone. We did not have budgets for sponsorships. We did not have much, but we had reward style. We set ourselves up with the highest commission rate and we did a ton of gifting and it worked. I mean, I, I, that that is a brand that stands out to me in the early 2010s. That yeah. that time is just the timing it's was so, so iconic right. for that time, especially because yeah. the statement necklace was just so big yes. back then. I laughed so hard at your Mormon blogger deep dive because you were talking about the J Crew bubble necklace, and like <laughs> I had a J Crew bubble necklace, and I brought it into Bolivar, and I was like, we need to find a way to make our own version of this. Like it's everywhere, and we found a way. And like two months later, we could not keep it in stock and we we're bringing really? it in like so many colors. And we, of course, sold it for like a fraction of what they were selling it for. It was overpriced at J. Crew. And oh my God, I think it was stock. like $100. It was so it expensive. It was so expensive. I think ours was like 38 Really? Uh-huh. See, I should have gone to Bobble Bar before I went to Alibaba. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I can't afford the J. Crew one. Then we had like a it's, mini one. We had so many versions of it. It's kind of cool because I actually didn't, know a lot about your bobble bar experience but um the brand awareness and messaging that's stuck in my head all these years independent of anybody i've ever known that's worked with bobble bar it's funny that it's because of you it was a lot of us working on it but i was i was the point person with all the bloggers and like running that and i only knew about it because of blogs and courtney kerr Yes. So she was amazing. Can I tell you a little about her? Cause yes. I, and I love her. You guys were on an episode of Courtney loves. Dallas. I know I wasn't in that. I think I was in the background. Really? I was very sad. Not really. I, I, I know that I would come across terribly on TV. You just like stare at the camera. <laughs> yes. I'd be like, so creepy. Like I can be in photos or I can be on a podcast, but I'm not great at both. Like being visually presentable, but also 
like <laughs> speaking intelligently. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like one or the other. Because you're always like in photos. So people would not assume that about you. Yeah. But I like you describing yourself as creepy because like there's no planet on which you would seem creepy. Oh my God, I'm so creepy. <laughs> like if you see the hundred photos of me that it takes to get the good one, you'd be like, oh yeah, creepy. I can show you some in my iPhone. I honestly can't wait. And I, you know, maybe I'll post one to promote this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Wait, so tell me your corny curse story. So it was crazy. So we had reward style and we had the dashboard, like which would show us like which ac- accounts were driving the most sales. And I made that just my mission. Like those girls who are in our top 10, 20 every month, I was like, hey, like, let's be best friends. Let me give you all the jewelry you want. Like we have this affiliate program. Like I never was pushy about it because I think so many brands are like, oh, we're going to give you this, but you need to like use this hashtag, tag us, do this. I was like, here, mm-hmm. here's jewelry. Like, we just like what you're doing. And of course, because of course they're like nice humans. They've tagged us and what whatnot right. really helped us grow. That was when like a nice tag on Instagram could get you a thousand followers, which is not the case today. <laughs> well, I was going to say, was this even in Instagram times? Yes. Yes. Like the heyday. But Courtney's driver back then for us was her blog. And suddenly this person, because I don't, I don't really, I still don't really watch reality TV. Suddenly this person, it was like, I want to say it was what Courtney wore was was, her blog. was. Was driving like, so I can't, I probably shouldn't say numbers, but so much sales, like probably like, it was like her. And then the next person under her was maybe like, 20 times less. So just to like give an example, imagine that like the number two bobble bar blogger was driving a thousand dollars in sales. Courtney was driving $20,000 in sales. That is freaking crazy. Yeah. These are not real numbers, but I'm just giving the example. We were like, what the hell? So we're like, we have to do something bigger. And I want to say that the whole guest bartender program was developed because we wanted to do something bigger with Courtney. Guest bartender. That was a big thing. They don't have that anymore. I don't that think. That was, I lo- did you have like Blair Edie at one point? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I'm a big like follower of the OG bloggers and then I kind of dipped out for several years, but like I was very into that, like kind of that circle of people, right? You should have Blair on. She is the absolute loveliest person, the hardest worker. She's so smart. Can talk about the influencer industry at length. Like, and she's somebody who still has a day job. No. I thought no. she was still. She uh, left, yeah, she left Tori a couple of years ago. Oh. I see she's so private that you and I don't well, I'm not trying to out her Blair. I'm not outing you, but I think she's talked about it before. I'm sure she has. And yeah. I haven't followed it, her blog as closely anymore just because, you know, I don't buy as many clothes in my self-employment. But uh, that she is a person that is a shining example of a strategy where I didn't need personal information. Yeah, I, I just felt like, affinity for her for just wearing sunglasses and very like voluminous skirts on this, like in the middle of the street. Yeah. I can't wear anything she wears, but I just like love looking at it. It's art. It's, yeah. That's she what has, it like, is. the je ne sais quoi. Like she just like has something mm-hmm. and she doesn't need to like reveal a lot of personal information. Yeah. But if she did, I think people would love her even more because she's so likable and so down to earth. That's a good idea. You had her on bad on paper. Though, yeah. Right? I remember yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you had the guest bartender series back then, mm-hmm. which was like kind of a big that feature was- of pr- primarily bloggers. Yeah. And then we expanded it. We had like other like big people. I forget who, like, I think like Olivia Palermo and, and um, not Hillary Rota. Who's the other one? Oh, Coco Rocha. Oh yeah. 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 And so um, during this time, you're still running your blog on the side uh-huh. after hours on weekends. Yeah. Just a hobby. 
you weren't, did you have, did, when it was happening, did you, was your end game to leave your job? No. So I was, I always, I love money. Like I, I love making <laughs> it. Like I've loved, I've loved money since I was a child. Like I can tell you stories about like picking my mother's berries out of her garden and then trying to sell them back to my parents for money. <laughs> That's amazing. Like I've just always, like I bought my own first car when I was 16. Like I'm, I, I like making money. I'm never going to sell myself out to make more money, but I like money. Yeah. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I, I saw some article where there was this author and she, she came across terribly because she was talking about how she just wanted to make money. And like, yes, like you can like making money, but also like care about building a brand and care about staying true to yourself. Right. So I just want to caveat that. Of course. But I was making money from my blog, but I was just convinced that I would continue building this like dual career where I would work in the influencer space and in social media while also running my blog. Right. Unfortunately, or fortunately, Bolivar grew too much. It got to a point where, I mean, I was working there 60 hours a week. It, it still wasn't enough. My blog was taking up more and more time. I was getting these bigger partnerships. I was getting invited on these media trips. Mm. I had to say no to most of them because I was working. I was making more money from my blog when I left bobble bar, but I still, I really wanted desperately making more than your bobble bar salary. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So I, but I just really was trying to hold on. I just felt like I worried that I would become unrelatable to my readers. If I were to only do the, the blog, I worried that I would never be able to get another day job. If I left, I worried that things would dry up, that I would like be destitute and like, I mean, I, I, I'm somebody who worries about every else, every single scenario. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I saved up so that I had six months of my salary in the, in the bank. I was so terrified, but, um, it was also very funny because the first month where I was just working for myself, I had, I think one sponsored Instagram and my Instagram following wasn't that big at that time. So I was making most of my money from my blog and I was like, shit like I need to yeah it's do I need to go here. back like and right. then it all worked out did was there like a lot of confusion having your worlds overlapping while you were doing both jobs it was because I was doing things and I never wanted to like say I got to go to a blogger conference for right. blah 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 you don't want to leverage it for your own yes game. I never wanted to like be shady yeah um, or say I was profiled, like I remember that every girl did a career feature on me and they linked to my blog. And at the time, like that drove so much traffic to yeah. my site. But like, I probably wouldn't have gotten the every girl feature if I didn't have the blog and work for Bobble Bar. Yeah. So there was like a lot of like line blurring. There was a lot of like, I didn't have an expense account. So I'd go out with blogger friends and like give them jewelry, which is a blurring of lines because I'm giving them jewelry but I can't treat them to drinks. And they were my friends, so we would always just split the bill. Yeah. But right. I was like, God, it would be nice to just, like, be able to, like, take Write people out yeah. and, like, you know, do this. But we didn't – we were just such a tiny, scrappy startup. And I think yeah. that was a big thing, too. Like, when you work for a scrappy startup, there's a lot of blurring of lines of, like, personal favors. 100%. And, like, oh, you do this for me, I'll do that for you. And it was never shady. But it definitely, like, there was times where I felt – I was like – I always wanted it to be more of on the side of my blog helping Bobble Bar than my job there helping my blog because I didn't want to end up fired. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the way to approach it. A lot of yeah. people would focus on the personal gain, but I feel like even just having the awareness 
of that, people know what your intentions are. Yeah. But I, I remember when I like had a full-time job and had my other business, but, like what was weirdly consuming for me was the guilt. I had so much guilt. Really? Yeah. Also, like I felt like because I was doing all this work at night and it, it wasn't because I was caring for a baby or like having dinner with my husband, I was still working. So I almost felt guilty that I was working on my stuff versus work, doing more work for Bobbleware because they were a startup and they frankly needed it. Like we, you could work when you work for a startup like that, that's growing so yeah, quickly. Nonstop. There's you always work to do. Yeah. You can work for 24 hours and I had to consciously say, no, I have to write tomorrow's blog post and like get this sponsorship up and this and that. And I felt bad because my coworkers were giving 24 seven and I was still giving like 12 hours a day, but it was like, it wasn't enough. It's like so crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you're working 12 hours a day and still felt bad. I've had interesting experiences with um, new hires out of like college these days. And I feel like that sort of um, drive. Well, they don't have their emails on their phone. Yeah. No, they, they, it's completely le like you leave the office, you leave the office. And I think people I give millennials like a yeah. hard time. And I think we actually are like the golden age of commitment. Like, I feel like I, anybody who will pay me currency in exchange for a service, I have to over deliver oh, or else I'll panic. <laughs> millennials are the hardest workers. I agree. The It's the ones under us. Is it Gen Z? It's Gen Z. They're trouble. Like, Big time. I've had two amazing interns. I'm like knocking on wood because I'm hiring an assistant right now. And they are just little angels. But they also don't keep put their emails on their phone. So I have to text them if I need something. And that feels, as someone who's always on their email, that feels so invasive to me. Totally. Texting someone and asking them if they did something. But to them, that's just how they communicate. Right. And they're right. like, no, just text me. And I'm like, I, I don't want to text you at 8 p.m. to ask you if you did this. Because- if our bosses did that to us, we'd drop everything. We'd panic. We'd Anne Hathaway, yeah. Devil Wears product, uh -huh. go outside and like yes. freak out. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it's just not the same. It's a totally different culture. And yeah. like, they're so hardworking and like on it, but like you have to text them. Because self-care is a thing. Yeah, I guess. You know what they I mean? Don't like, put their, but I just don't understand not putting your emails on your phone. I don't either. It's like, I, I both support it. And I, it, as a peer, it, I support it. As a boss, it would frustrate me. Yeah. Cause things, cause the reality of like having your own business is a lot of stuff's conducted after hours with a lot of people that mm -hmm. also work after hours. Totally. And the sad, I think I've just had to accept over the years, like I don't have normal working hours and it's always going to bleed and I can get mad about it or I can just be like, will this take five minutes or less? Let me do it really fast. Okay. I'm back. Like, yeah, totally. And I just think, yeah, cause I, I do, people are very interested in that, like line two of when you leave your job that was a question somebody asked you on Instagram, like, when do you know? And people ask me that a lot. And I think it does vary by person, but it's always interesting to hear anecdotally why somebody leaves their job. Yeah. I mean, I've just felt like I was doing a shitty job of both things because I couldn't yeah. make anyone happy. And I was losing out on all this work for myself. Yeah. There was a weekend I had a launch party for my site. Um, cause I, when I rebranded and I have never experienced this before. I could not get out of bed for like an entire weekend. I remember that's when I got into the good wife because I watched like <laughs> a season or two in one weekend. I was just, just so exhausted. burned out. Like it was like a physic. Someone was like, were you physically depressed? And it's like maybe a little, but like I was just so tired that I felt like my whole body felt like lead and I couldn't move. And that was when I like went into the office the next week and I was like, can I go down to part-time? 
and we I worked for them for like part time for a few months. Oh, they let you do that. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. But it was awful. Like, yeah. and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just the fact that we were trying to squeeze a really big job. They they were like, oh, we'll just take social media off your plate and give you only influencer, which you can't run influencer marketing for a company like Bobble Bar. And t- I think it was two or three days a week. Well, right. Two days and a week, it's impossible to level set expectations with the same person who's allegedly like severate, like cutting their hours yeah. And half, people are still going to expect the same thing from you. Exactly. And like for emailing with influencers and stuff, you have to write back immediately. Like you can't just like wait till right. two days later when you're in the office. Right. It just wasn't, we tried really hard because there was just so much, it sounds cheesy. There was so much love. Like I love the company. I love the co-founders. I loved all my coworkers. That's how I met Becca, who I record the podcast with. Like it's how I met so many of my best friends. So I didn't want yeah. to leave, but I was just like, I, I physically can't. And yeah, I didn't want to give up everything I'd built for myself, which now I'm so glad because like I'm doing, a re- I, I'm, I feel really lucky. Like things are going really well, but it was hard at the time. So when, when, what year did you leave? It was all of these years get very much. I know I'm not good with dates and numbers. So it worry. was, I, I think I went down to part-time in February of 2015. Okay. And then I want to say it was really quick. It was like three to four months. I think it was the summer, early summer where I was like, I can't do both. Yeah. So I want to say I like freelance for like three or four months. That was later than I thought you have been full time on your blog. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like, um, kind of like looping back to one of the things you said earlier about money in terms of like how you talk about it. One thing that I feel about money is that for me, cause I chase it too, but for me, I chase it because it gets me back to that place of, um, little to no expectation where I can be creatively free and where I can take risks. Exactly. And it's much less materialistic for me and much more of a headspace thing of like, now I can actually do what I want. And when I talk to bloggers that started out so early, I'm always curious, like, how do do you feel like a, a, an aspect of your success is rooted in how little expectation you had? Because now, now when there's, there's so a much blueprint. Mm-hmm. You'd you'd quit before you started. Oh yeah, I mean people start blogs now with business plans and beautifully designed sites and working with a photographer from day one. I was literally like, here's a Microsoft Paint graphic that I designed. <laughs> I love MS Paint. <laughs> oh my God. I loved it. And then I would stretch things out inevitably because it's not like Photoshop where it's the dimensions are on lock. Like it would be like a little collage with a dress from forever 21 and like four little accessories to put it with. But at the same time, like that was shit. But I think it was also relatable because I was this girl living in New York on a budget, like not being sent tons of free clothes and all of this stuff. I was just showing the stuff that I liked. This is, this is a dress I bought and how I, what I wore with it, like right. a cardigan from J crew. Um, like these Matt Burnson flats, which at the time were like the most expensive shoes I owned. So I think, I think it's funny cause I, this is another tangent. I think we're going back, we're circling back where like that, all that editorial stuff and like the beautifully designed things, there's a place for, for that. But I think that what people want to see is more real stuff. Right. Relatability is the currency aspiration once was. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's like how I feel the zeitgeist is like shifted. We're mm-hmm. like aspiration seems out of touch. 
And well, I'm having my heyday now because I am not aspirational at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very relatable. Um, um, you actually are in, I'd argue you're in your heyday. I mean, if not, an I feel extended like I'm heyday. in my heyday, but I don't want to say that because I'm worried because you can go from like, I feel like, pe- um, what's the word? This like whole space is so fickle where people like you one day and then they hate you the next. Right. So I just want to be like moderately successful always and just like keep doing what I'm doing. I never want to be super famous or like super like blown up. I just want to be like under the radar, like doing what yeah, I'm doing. Consistent. <laughs> yeah. We're like way more similar than I thought. That's like my life philosophy. I, if in my perfect world, I'd be name famous or work my work would be famous but like I would not be recognized yeah I don't want to get recognized yeah that's like not my goal and I think that's a lot of people's goal oh my god no and that's um I think too that's maybe what like keeps you grounded because it is more about the content than it is about like yeah your face your pictures the like glamorous stuff like I want everyone to know about the stripe and bad on paper but I do not want them to recognize me on the street I don't I actually ever happened to you yeah, and I actually love it when it happens because mo- like my readers are mostly just like the sweetest people ever, yeah. and it's so fun meeting them. But I just don't want to like walk outside and feel like I have to be done. Like I don't wear my makeup most days. Like I'm I'm dressed up kind of nice today because I had meetings and stuff. But like for the most part, I'm a sloth. Like <laughs> I saw your you were I listened to your Mormon. Blah. I listened to your Mormon mom. I keep saying Mormon it's a, mommy it's a blogger. Tester. Your Mormon is it Mormon mommy, mommy blo- blogger? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I listened to your Mormon mommy blogger deep dive, <laughs> and I laughed so hard because there was something you said where you just always want to be a B plus. Yeah, like my vibe is a B plus. <laughs> but also, you were talking about these girls and how they're always so done. Mm-hmm. So for the better part of my blogging career, I always just felt like so less than because like I'd go to Fashion Week and everyone is a size zero with like waist length, barrel curled hair, like perfectly done makeup, Mm -hmm. like the newest whatever designer, the newest like $5,000 bag. And like, don't get me wrong. I have a small collection of Chanel bags. Like they're my investments though. Right. Um, And just like being done to the nines. And I'd be like coming from work or like something and like slightly sweaty and like- Like a pleated pant. Yeah, like (laughs) feeling good in my size six dress. Like just like being like, I remember there was this, they, everyone's like, oh, sneak up to the front row with us. I mean, these are nice girls. And I was like, oh, my ass just doesn't fit here. I had to go back a row. Um, yeah. It, it, you get a vibe, though, and I totally understand that. Yeah. But I think that I've become more successful by just completely being who I am. Yeah. And, like, just, like, giving up all of that, like, trying to be aspirational. Like, for so much of my career, I tried to be aspirational. And, like, I'm looking back on old posts. I failed. <laughs> Like I failed, like having like the new designer thing and the helmet link blazer and the this and the that people just want to see what's real and like, and they want to feel like they're talking to a friend. And I think that's where I've had luck. I mean, for me, I've stopped putting, unless it's an ad because brands want a professionally shot photo. I don't do professional photos on my blog mostly or on Instagram. Really? I Who takes them? I will have a friend or my lovely intern who's with me a couple of days a week snap my outfit. And it's usually not the best photo. I've definitely looked better in like a nice professionally shot photo, but yeah, it will get like, look through my feed and look at the professional shots. The engagement is half of what it is on an iPhone photo. So I'm like, all right, like you want me to just like shoot with my intern and like yeah. take a picture in the moment at a party. 
that's way easier than like totally getting all done up a couple times a week to shoot with a photographer. But that's yeah. my brand. Like you look at someone like Crystal Beck, who's a good friend of mine, and she is creating these amazing editorial shoots or like, like Olivia Rink. Are you familiar oh, with I her? love her. Her photos are with the Alicia Aesthetica are like insane. Yes. She is so cute. And she has a friend who's her friend that she does stuff with. I follow them both. I don't know. And I think that there is no right or wrong in this space. It's finding what you like doing, finding what you're good at, what your strengths are. So going back to like talking about snark, like the only thing I ever would get snark on was my outfits, um, which is hard to hear. Yeah. Like, oh, she looks so awkward in this like professionally taken photo. You want to know why I look awkward? Because having your prof- your photo taken professionally is fucking <laughs> awkward. Having your intern snap your iPhone photo is not awkward. Right. <laughs> so it's very funny because I was like, yeah, it is awkward. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see how everything does if I just switch things up. And it's done so much better. And also shifting my blog content to cover more books, more beauty products, more of the things that people, more personal essays, more of the things people care about. Versus less of like these like weird photos of me taken by a professional t- photographer. And and it was always outfits I wore, but it was like outfits I wore three days ago. And I would like hang them back up and then shoot them <laughs> right. with a photographer because I don't have like an Instagram boyfriend or husband to do that. Well, and do you think like the um, beauty, the books, the personal essays, are those easier to crank out because they're more natural to you than the fashion? Yes and no. Beauty is super easy because I'm just like a total like beauty lover. Um, and I'm always testing things naturally. That's You're very like into clean beauty. Mm-hmm. Personal essays, yes and no. You have to be in a certain headspace to write an Agreed. essay. And like I've just been so scatterbrained because like the blog and the podcast and everything. I'm like, <laughs> I have not had time to reflect. Uh-huh. But I, I, I'd almost argue that you need to wait for the moments where it overcomes you. Yeah. Then and then you sit manufacture down, right? them. Yeah. Cause I'll never, like, I'm never going to do something just to do it. Right. Um, and the books, yes and no, but, um, I would only say they're harder. Like today I published something about like the best beach reads and that was hard because I had to like really like dive deep. It wasn't just things I had recently read. I had to yeah. like, think back and like really be thoughtful about it and then be like, okay, what happened in this book? And like write about it. That's true. Yeah. Cause it's like recapping content that you yeah. want to, yeah. When it's in the moment or about beauty, that's so easy to me, but. And you're like a Sephora ambassador, aren't you? Yeah. That's, that was really cool. Like that, to give Grace credit, that was not, that was like a, a follower voted thing, right? Yes. So I love telling this story because we're just going to take a quick break because I want to tell you about a sponsor I'm really excited about and that I wish I had when I was younger. It is called Simple Health and they are a company that allows you to get birth control prescribed by a doctor online and shipped to your door without ever leaving your house. And what's so incredible about this is their mission is to put women in control of their own health. As we know, we're in a world where women's health is dictated by legislation, by insurance plans, and they and I truly believe that access to a doctor or insurance or that cost should never prevent women from getting birth control and they're helping to cut down those barriers. I was going through their website when I first heard about them and reading their reviews and they have these insanely glowing reviews and I could have teared up reading about how many hoops people were having to jump through before having access to the most basic part of women's healthcare, which is birth control. It should be easy. It should be affordable. It should be convenient and we shouldn't have to be explaining ourselves to anybody. 
And what's great about Simple Health is that the birth control is free with most insurance plans. You can pay absolutely nothing to use the service every month. And for those without insurance, it's actually still super affordable. And the pills start at about $15 a month with monthly shipping being free. But the best part is listeners of the Be There in 5 podcast, if you use code Be There in 5, same spelling as the, ti- like the title of the podcast with F-I-V-E, not the number five. If you use code Be There in 5 at checkout or go to simplehealth.com slash Be There in 5, you will get an annual prescription that is usually $20 for free. Like no catch, looked into it. I swear, it's so wonderful. You'll get it for free. It's so worth trying out. And I just honestly, could, I just support what they're doing so much. I mean, when you read about how over 19 million women lack access to contraceptive methods and a third of women at one time or another have taken their birth control inconsistently to save money, like that's, it's unacceptable. And I just appreciate that they're trying to make it as easy as possible to, for women to just fulfill their basic health care needs. Like it's, it's hard to even say that because it's like, well, duh, we should have access to our basic health care needs. Try Simple Health. If you don't need birth control, tell somebody about it. And let's all work toward making sure that our basic needs are fulfilled regardless of income, of location, or insurance access. And I just think it's something that's so important to empower yourself with and to not have to face all of the uncomfortable conversations that I certainly endured in my youth. This is the simplified process we all deserve. So once again, simplehealth.com slash be there in five, enter code be there in five at checkout and get a annual prescription for free. James Nord, who is the founder of Forecard and is a friend of mine. I'm not saying that's a name drop. We get lunch like every now and again. Is he a drink with James? Yes. Oh, so he cracks me up because I went on his show and he, in his intro of me, he didn't say this when I was there. He's like, yeah, you know, she's a blogger who just like really stuck to her blog and like didn't really catch the Instagram wave, which I get because I'm not (laughs) a photographer and I'm also awkward in professional photos. So Instagram was just not for me until it became more about being like the related. What was that interview though? I would never say that about you. This was a few months ago, but it was when I got the Sephora partnership because we had had lunch that day and he was like, oh yeah, we launched the Sephora squad thing. I was up all night because it's just been so much work. And I was like, oh my gosh, tell me about that. I was like, should I apply? Like, and I. Um, he was like, yeah, you should apply. Like, and he was just being nice telling me I should apply. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, how did you get so many testimonials? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I put it in my Facebook group and I talked about how I really wanted it on stories. He's like, your audience really likes you. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) Like, I mean, I hope so. And I like, I know that people click on my blog and buy the products I have, but they do not like my photos in my feed. And yeah, my, you know, the feed is just all over the place. No one's, you have to just not take it personally. Like everyone gets so up in arms about this. Everyone is watching stories. Like I barely look at the Instagram feed anymore. Same. It's, it, yeah, it, it bores me. Yeah. So I How try does that affect your business though. It's hard because it's kind of just like this thing I have to keep going. Like I just, just a guarantee amount of likes and comments. No, no. Okay. So like if you do a brand <laughs> deal. Yeah. It's just like you hope for the best. If it doesn't do that well, do you panic? I don't because I tell them, I'm like, if you want something to really convert, because I look at it mostly in conversion, totally. I tell them that they should probably do a blog post. I tr- it, if it gets really bad engagement, which like nothing has recently, so that's good, then I will say like, why don't we do some stories about your brand or like, why don't we add a make good? But um, I don't know. I haven't had like, 
I've been trying to just get people to do like stories or blog posts. Yeah, like kind of multiple touch points just to like really make your rounds. I I just feel like the feed is kind of dead. I think the feed is dying and I'm so interested to see what happens. And like, who was I? I was with people the other night that are so fearful of likes going away. Oh my God, take them away. And I agree. I'm like, I, I, well, I, uh, there's no currency for me in likes, but also I feel like, kind of to our conversation about when you abandon expectations, what freedom, what does that freedom allow you? I feel the same way about Instagram. It used to be a place that was that unlike Facebook or whatever, like gave you this like creative format for photos and you'd like share artsy things. It was the first place people like, like put art on online. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And I think that got really lost. And I would, I would post on my feed all the time if I wasn't so aware of how poorly certain things did and it doesn't really matter for me other than like I just am like huh that's not a great look yes (laughs) I what James Nord did a drink with James episode where he talked about this and he's like guys don't be scared he's like the main reason they're doing this is Instagram wants people to spend more time on the app and the way to do that is to get people to post more and by taking away likes and getting rid of that measurement people are going to post more because they're not going to care anymore and you can start sharing again just for the fun of it and for comments, like yeah. comments aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think like that's an important thing. People need to not be afraid to evolve. But also what I think you are so smart to do that I think is important to highlight is that you can't put your eggs in one basket. You can't have all of your uh, followers, fans, readers, listeners, whatever on a property you don't ultimately control. And that's while scary thing. a person could say like you were late to the Instagram train at the end of the day. Instagram could shut down tomorrow and you'd have all of your blog subscribers, your podcast listeners, like you have to email subscribers. You need an email newsletter. Like, right. You have to diversify. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, like several years, people have really doubled down on Instagram and I'm sure it's been lucrative. Uh, but I, the few days a year it goes down, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded I'm validated. And like, this is not everything vine shut down and like, a day and all those people that had millions of followers had nothing. Totally. And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about Instagram. Like the day I got verified, I like dropped my oh, phone. Are you screens. kidding? I love it. I owe everything to Instagram. I love it. I love it. I just can't put all my eggs there in case it doesn't no. work out. And I just see what happens. Like again, the feed is an issue. Like, but then there's stories and stories are just like getting more and more engagement every day. So right. And it's also like my top, one of my top drivers for my blog, like every morning the swipe up link goes in there and telling everyone about my blog post that they have to go read. Right. Wait, can I ask, can we have like a cringy conversation? Um, Do you feel like anything tangibly changed upon getting verified? Oh, so my account has grown a lot in the past few weeks because I I could talk about the, this forever because like I was looking at my analytics today before our thing, just so I was well burst. I looked, I did not grow on Instagram. I actually lost followers for seven months last year. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like until this past February that I started growing in, I was losing followers. I was stuck at one, one Oh four for like mm-hmm. a long time. So I want, I have a, I think that the thing that has changed is that people will reply to me more. Like if I send a DM, Mm, the other thing that has changed is what has changed. I think that if I'm, 
I don't think a lot has changed. I think that if I'm more active, because I don't do this a lot, but if I have a day where I like I'm sitting around for half an hour and I just go in and I comment on other people's feeds. Right. It shows I, up to the top. The check shows up and it's at the top and I get more like people coming over to my page to look at me. I don't know that they convert into followers, but I'll get more profile views. What has changed, what I've noticed more is that when a bigger account tags you in stories, you can really grow. Yes. Not in the feed. The feed just doesn't matter. No, anymore. it really doesn't. <laughs> like there is an account. I'll just tell you about it because it was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me in years. It was back in the day, just for anyone. I mean, everyone knows this, but I remember back when I was like when Instagram was new and Rebecca Minkoff would like regram a picture I posted with carrying her bag and I would get like a thousand new followers in a day. <laughs> yes. Lots of fringe, maybe a monogram. Yeah. Oh my God. I had this blue, I still have it because I can't par- bear to part with it. This blue clutch that has my initials on it. Cause once something's monogrammed, it's yours. Like, yeah. No, you can't really, but I don't ever take carry it. And I was just like going through things. I was like, I should, if I was like, who's going to take that? You could thrift it in Georgia. Oh, Oh, is it just GA? GA? Yeah. Maybe I'll go. Maybe when we have our General Atlanta mission. live show, I will bring it to a thrift <laughs> right. store. That'd actually be a funny giveaway. Oh, my God. Like, there'd be like five people with those initials. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> think anyone will want it. I'll show it yeah, to you. It's an old pouch. Yeah, yeah. But back in those days, someone would tag you and get a thousand new followers. So this week, while I was home with my family in Cape Cod, and they, they do not care. I also want to talk about friendships and family with people who aren't influencers. So remind me about that. I just have so much to say and we have wine. So we're just going. I'll talk all night. Um, This is a long ass podcast. So you're good. (laughs) Same. So, um, where was I going? Sorry. You were in Cape Cod and then the account tagged you. This account, it's a great account. I've been following it for a while. It's Mm -hmm. called things I bought and liked. Oh, Tybal. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's things I bought and liked. And there's a period in between each of the words. So she tagged me linked to my linked to my blog in the swipe up and tagged me. I've never experienced anything like this because she liked my book book rec and was talking about how she found three women through my blog and how she loved my book recommendations. She didn't say anything over the top about me. She's just like, I really like this blog. She has great reading lists. And I like, and I found this book because of her. I got 1600 new followers on Instagram, wild, which is crazy. I, it, the most I've ever gotten in a day is like three or 400, I want to say. Yeah. Like, I just am not like a person who's like a big Instagram person. Mm-hmm. And it sent 9,000, I want to say 9,000 hits to my blog. People trust Tybal. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the norm anymore. And right. maybe it's because everything is so manufactured. So I then reached out and I was like, hey, hey, Tybal. I didn't know this is what we call her. I was like, hey. And I told her the stats. I was like, this is crazy. I've never had this happen. Like I've had blogs like with a million followers tag me and nothing big comes of it. Maybe you get a hundred mm-hmm. or 200 new followers. Like I was like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. She's like, no, she's like, of course, girl, thanks for your recommendations. Like love your hustle. Cause the people sharing don't see that. Yeah. So then I was like, if I can ever do anything to like repay you for this, like, let me know. I was like, I'd love to have you come on the podcast and be a guest and we could all talk about our favorite Amazon finds or something like that. And she's like, she's like, that is so nice of you. She's like, but I want to be anonymous. I don't really have any interest in doing that. She, I just like want to know more about her now. She's a fucking genius. Yeah. For 
the anonymity for 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 actively choosing to keep herself private but also i think she will like say what she doesn't like mm-hmm. she's not do she's not doing sponsorships co-branding it's just affiliate fees and she just recently started doing that kind of yeah um and that's like I cool talk of you. about negative reviews too. That's like cool of you to reach out though, because I do think that's an important thing to note because I've always told people and I haven't actually done a podcast about this that I can um, tell them exactly like probably my last 15,000 followers. I can uh, like a credit. I can credit it to four people probably. Same. You know what I mean? It's like it, tiny and incremental. And then you have yeah. pops like yeah. girls got to eat is a pop. Yeah. Danny Austin for me was a pop. Yeah. Um, I, I have like, it's just been interesting to me what people, and it's so educational from my end to see what people, who people trust. Yes. Mine are always, well, this Tybo, but any Liz Adams and Brooklyn Blonde, Helena Glazer are two of my good friends. Anytime either one of them tags me in anything, I get new followers. What did uh, things I bought and like have to do with you being in Cape Cod with your friends and family? Oh, because similar to when I got verified. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Like I was going out to drinks with my best guy friend that night and I'm like, we have to celebrate. And he's like, what? And I was like, I got verified. He's like, weren't you already? He's like, you've been doing no this notices. for eight years. And I was like, it's a big deal. And he's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you know, that like blue check mark next to some names I had to like, and then it's really embarrassing when you are explaining this to people. Oh, a hundred percent. And they're like, Oh, like that. You, that's why like you're buying drinks tonight and you're so excited. And then I was like, yeah, this is shameful. He's like, I just thought you already had that. Like, good for you, though. And he was like, yay. I understand. It, it's yeah, it's more honestly, I, I ch- for me, I realized it was more like personal validation. Yeah. Well, you slog away at something for eight yeah. years and like, you know, having seven months where I was losing followers or maybe like hanging on at one hundred and four thousand like that was not a good feeling. No, of course not. So it's nice to like see growth. It's nice to have Instagram. And the only reason I got verified was because one of my podcast listeners at one of our live shows, I was like, who do I have to fuck at Instagram to get verified? <laughs> like, sorry, sometimes I'm crass. Like nobody realizes like just how crass I can be. <laughs> That's what I love about our live shows is we can be a little bit weird. Right, right. And she was like, I can probably help you get verified. She's like, I do this for a living. Like I work with all these clients and this and that. And so she's like, we're emailing and she's like, did you fill out that application? And I was like, no. And she's like, fill it out. Literally less than an hour later, I got verified. Really? She's like, I flagged you with my guy. And so he must have somehow done it. And it's I, not because I'm anymore. I, and I tell this to you, I'm not special. I didn't do anything. I got a follower who likes me and what I do. And she did it for me. It's not because I did anything newsworthy yeah. or special. It's 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 interesting how arbitrary it is because yeah. they do they're so strict about um the volume of pages you have in press. Interesting. And that's like a big factor that I do know that they have and I had like a long process with this because I How do you even tell them though cuz I have tons of press but I didn't you couldn't put that anywhere. Right, there's nowhere to put it. And uh insane people like me you know, rapid fire email the powers that be cuz when I had a book published, my name oh, is so book. common. Mhm. And if you look for Kate Kennedy, you'd find 5,000 Kennedys before me because like Be There in Five is more my association that wasn't with the book. Totally. I forgot your book. Yeah. I do think it's like one of those things that isn't a relatable thing to like care about or be excited about. And I think it's important to say like what it actually means to you when it happens. I know I 
was so excited for it. And while it's helped me get better podcast guests, you'd be shocked at how most people just straight up don't respond. Like, yeah, because if you have a blue check mark, you go into their direct inbox and not their requests. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's That's why I'm getting better responses. That's the difference. So you you have like a business or creator account. Yeah. So there is the primary, the general and the the requests. Okay. A blue check mark person goes in your primary no matter what. Oh, um, because anytime I DM somebody, people still don't respond. <laughs> okay, that's I. That's what the better response rate is, right there. The other thing, like we wanted to also talk about, was um kind of related to this topic since we're talking about DMs. I feel like it's more popular than ever for people to complain about them, and um I feel like, you know, uh, if, I asked you like to count beforehand. I counted too. I probably get about a, a, I get over a hundred on average a day, but I have in like the thirty thousands of followers which is awesome, but like, it's just not always realistic for me to respond. I'm not crazy about it though. Cause I assume people like know me understand it's not personal, whatever. I'm not an influencer by trade. Like mine's kind of just, it's more for fun. It's more of a supporting aspect of my business as opposed to my entire business. Yeah. So when you, you know, with you DMS are more probably like work emails, but I just think people need to be mindful of like when it turns a corner and you're starting to be resentful of every single one you get as a follower. I don't want, I don't want somebody like insincerely responding out of obligation because they want to clear their inbox to, you know, for their own neuroses. Like I want somebody to be sincere. And I just feel like there's so much, like there's just a lot of like, uh, irritation I noticed with influencers and DMS. But anyway, I mean, it could go on and on, but like, how do you, like, where do you stand on this? Okay. (laughs) I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings about DMS, Kate. First of all, the two things that you are not allowed to complain about as an influencer, which I've learned because of making these complaints, Mm -hmm. are DMs and the mail. These are the two mains of my existence. And I'm not mail. Yeah, I'm I'm not complaining. Oh, oh, like PR boxes. mm -hmm. Got it. So I get probably like 200 DMs a day, probably more. I reply to all of them because I've built this brand. I'm being this brand, this account. Unbe- I hate saying this brand. This like this, I w- I, honestly, whatever I think it is, you're, you're very uh, entitled to say this. Brand. I built this thing, this thing that I have by writing like a friend, by talking to my readers very honestly. I give negative reviews. I tell them how it is. I talk if I'm having a bad day. I tell them if I'm having a great day. I feel like I have this friendship with my readers. I meet people at the live show. I follow them back on Instagram. I feel like they're my friends. Right. If you do that, you got to reply to DMs. If you're Margot and me or Damsel and Dior and you have this beautiful account that's this elevated thing, you probably don't have to reply because you're yeah. this aspirational character that is just like often yeah. aspirational land. Yeah, right. The male thing, which we don't need to go into detail about, is I've learned I would complain so much because the mail is so wasteful, like getting sent every single foundation from a brand. like. I don't need every, I don't need 50 shades of foundation. Maybe send three that you think might work or getting something that is just like one product encased in an acrylic box where you pull the acrylic box up and a black light shines on the product. This is actually something I've gotten. (laughs) And I saw all these other bloggers putting it on their stories and I was like, what is happening? Why are people endorsing this? It's so hard as someone who tries to live a life where I'm like, living like a somewhat clean life and like not having a ton of waste and 
also someone who likes to keep their apartment looking really nice. And every day the UPS guy shows up and everything goes to hell because there's 20 boxes of shit that you never asked for or wanted. But at the same time, Interesting. brands like you enough to send you this stuff. So you're doing something right. Same goes for DMs. People like you enough and care about your life enough to want to talk to you or share their opinion. And that's really great. So I, I hate DMs, but I also like that I get a lot because it means people still care. And I will always feedback. Yeah. I will always carve out the time to reply to them. The hard thing. And you said this, I think was when we talked earlier was like all of the emoji responses or the emojis were the downfall of DMs. That's when I, I dipped out or the love it's because when you're weeding through a hundred love it's and heart emojis, you can't get to the stuff that is um, people like sharing maybe a story or like something or real feedback or asking you for like advice or a a product or something that is actually going to help them. Right. So I sometimes wish there wasn't all of that, those like quick responses. And I just wish, I also just wish that people who read blogs or follow people on Instagram just knew like, you're saying that and maybe a hundred other people are saying that to that person. So Ashley Hesseltine was saying something funny on her. She was like, please no stop. More memes. <laughs> no more tagging me in memes. And I was like, yes. And like, it sounds bitchy, but if a hundred people are, are, ta- are sending you a meme, like DMing it to you from the feed, you can't get through all of the other stuff where you can maybe add value. And I just think that it's, everyone's like means it harmlessly. Like there's people on Instagram I follow that I want to DM and I don't do it because I don't want to add to their clutter. clutter. So my question is, cause I feel different ways about this. I feel like which is worse, not responding or publicly complaining. <sighs> That's so hard. I think they're both pretty bad. Because I think, because I've publicly complained and then I've gotten skewered and people are like, you should feel so lucky to have all these people that want to talk to you. And I'm like, right. But like, maybe send me an email if you have something that's taking up over two screens. Like when, when you have to scroll and read it, like, yeah, I don't like being on my phone that much. Or like if I'm at my computer, it's a whole nother situation. I can write something really thoughtful back to them and like provide again, provide value, give them links to things, reference old blog posts, like the whole thing. Right. Versus being, Hey, thanks. Google this thing on my blog. Like, right. Like my argument has always been like, if, as a, if I, if I'm a follower and I DM you something in the moment, I mean it, I want to support you. I just want to like nod to you. I kind of forget about it. But when people make the sweeping statements, Mm -hmm. you're using all of your audience to speak about like 1% of it. I know. And that, and then it's like, well, what are you talking about? So I, I'm, I'm a, I'm more of a non-responder, but not because I don't want to, but because I, I I, I don't know this, maybe this is controversial, but the way I see it, I DM people all the time and they don't respond. I don't care. Like maybe if they respond sometimes and I and like I catch them when they're on their phone or I say something meaningful, they respond, whatever. I kind of see it as like anything in life. Like it's kind of luck at the draw. You respond, you give your feedback, it's received. And like I see it in notifications half the time and I don't have to open it. And if I can get to it that night, I 100% do. If I'm on my phone, I respond immediately. But I, 
I think it's better for me to not like be resentful of it and to welcome it when I can take it on. And then if I'm doing it like a week or two later, I'll, I'll, I'll get to them eventually. But like, I don't have any emphasis on real time, I guess is my point. Like I'll get to them, but I don't, I don't pressure myself to do it within like 24 to 48 hours, just because I feel like I'm less annoying if I'm not annoyed by it because I'm, I am really appreciative of it. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really interesting. And I'd like to get to a place more like that. I'm just so compulsive with it that if I see that I have like five messages, I feel like I have to go in and look at them and reply. I had an interesting thing happen to me like, like ages ago with Katie Storino. Um, and I'm not throwing Katie under the bus. She's another good friend, but a reader DM'd me and was like, where's Katie's phone case from? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you ask Katie? Right. I mean, yeah, that's annoying. (laughs) So annoying. I hate when people ask me what my friends are wearing. I'm like, that's an Instagrammer. You can ask them. Like I was with Ashley Spivey once and everyone's like, where's Ashley's dress from? Like not her assistant. Like don't know. But why respond is my question. If they're asking you a dumb question that you don't respect, then why but they give can them see the that respect I've of responding? It. But you can this look at it in notifications. I don't have that. Okay. I feel like I've changed a lot of people's lives with this. You're going to have to show me this afterwards. <laughs> so, okay. The way I can bet if it's something that any, cause I, I love people's reactions, but I think that anybody would be a reaction is affirming, but it's not always a thing that has to be responded to. It's like sending a thank you note to a thank you note is yeah. my theory. Okay. Hold on. We have a siren. But anyway, so what happened with Katie? The yeah. person said to me, I did ask her, but she seems really busy because she's not answering my DMs. So I thought I'd ask you instead. Because you like, respond. Because I respond. I'm just as busy as Katie. But because I respond, that person was like, oh, I'll just ask Grace because she always writes back. I've conditioned, I've built this beast. And for one, like I have this great relationship with my audience and they do things like leave Sephora squad testimonials for me. But for another, they don't think I'm busy and think that they can just ask me anything. Yeah. And I think that's like, it's, that's funny. Cause that's kind of why I led into this. Like, can we have like a cringy conversation? Cause it's, yeah. it's not a fundamentally relatable thing, but I, is, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about transparently with, you know, just to be like, this is what the day to day is. But yeah, no, I think that's like a thing that's worth pointing out is like, I'm very type B mm-hmm. and I think that I project my personality onto my listeners being like, they get it. I love them. I'm not big or important enough to ignore them when, and when I can get to it, I will. People just need to remember when they start to get bitter about DMS, no one else can relate to that. And no. they don't, they've never experienced it. And not in a rude way, just mean like in an inundated way that makes you feel like God, I'm letting all these people down. Yeah. And you're so overwhelmed and you like wake up in the morning and you open up your Instagram. There's a 50, like 50 messages that you did not have last night at 9 PM or whenever you last looked at your phone and you're like, Oh God, like that's not a good way to start the day. But maybe that's also a reflection on me. Maybe I shouldn't be opening Instagram first thing in the morning. (laughs) Maybe I should wait till I have my coffee. I've done like my primary work and like hit all my deadlines. And I'm like, Oh, maybe now I'll check Instagram. Well, that's that balance of like self-care versus expectation of your customers or readers, right? Like I think, um, the urgency doesn't need to be there. The follow through does eventually. My argument is only that the timing doesn't matter because as long I, I I'll get to it as long as things don't get buried by emojis. Um, emojis. Okay. I have two questions. I ask people, um, 
what is there a moment that made you feel like the shit like I've made it like this is me I am living when we sold out our live show for the podcast at Caroline's because that I've told this story so many times but they reached out to us and we're like we want you to do a live show and this is how we totally started this whole thing or getting into the live show space was I was like I don't think you have the right people like we and I'm not saying this like oh this this is not like a a manufactured story like we were like we can't sell out a live show and they were like, "If you, how about we do it on a Monday night? You can get 60 people there. We'll be psyched because that's more than we'd have on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a food and beverage minimum, this and that. Like, like just let's give it a try. Like, we love what you're doing. Like, we think that it's really fun. Of course, like, we were, we were, they stroked our egos and we were like, okay, we'll do this. And we were both like, worst case scenario, we can each get 30 friends. Yeah. And we sold it out. Like, we sold Was it 300 people. 300 people. That is- Amazing. I remember telling my friends. I feel like Taylor Swift. I did. <laughs> I remember telling, I just remember telling my influencer friends that we were having this live show and they're like, are you nervous? Like, do you think you like can sell that out? And I was like, I don't know. We're going to see. And we, we sold it out. I was like on top of the world. That was the best feeling ever. Cause we just never thought like, I just, I always have like a kind of a business plan. Like I want to do this. I want to do these things. Doing a live show was never part of the mix. And now, now I like, I love it. Like, I can't wait for our fall tour. I'm so excited. It's so much fun. But I just didn't ever think that that would be a part of our business or that we could sell some a place like Caroline's out. And I mean, I dated a comedian for a while. And like, he messaged me and was like, my friends are all teasing me that my ex-girlfriend is getting more stage time at Caroline's than I am. And I was like, well, it's a different thing. Like, yeah, it was suck it. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was nice, and I was the bad one. Not bad. I was the you, you just left. yeah, yeah. I wasn't bad, but it just wasn't work. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he's a great person. It will. It will also like. I do think that people that are in vocations that are traditionally associated with stage time are a little bit funny about people that are in non traditional vocations yes. like it's stage time. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's but these venues are smart. They're like, these people can come mm-hmm. in on a Monday or a Tuesday and sell the space out versus like trying to pack it with like five comedians that maybe will like get like 20 people in there. Right. Entertainment comes in so many forms. And I think that's the beauty of podcasts is it embraces niche. It embraces a, a personal relationship with the person on the other end. And it also like, it, it gives you, I don't know. I feel like it gives you a way for people to get to know you that a blog would never do justice. YouTube would never do justice. Like Instagram would never do justice. Like I feel like people that gravitated towards podcasts before they were like maybe as um, common and cluttered as they are now. It, it's like, I feel like it was a very smart move for you, especially to have a, an angle with a friend, to have an angle with the books. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's not like it's the stripe transferred to another platform. You yeah. diversified, which I think was very smart. And I think you, found a, a component of your blog that people liked and I think yeah, anytime, people always loved my reading list so I was like I want to yeah. do something around reading to Becca and she was like are you sure like and I was like no it has to be about books and so was that if did that start by just being like fun breezy like let's just have a podcast and talk about young adult books because it was young adult at first right it was so it started because my best guy friend was like First, he was like, you need a YouTube channel. And I was like, uh, I, I think I watched your Beach Waver tutorial. tutorial I, I, and it was oh, I, I've got a YouTube channel. It's not good. 
Oh, but I enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> if you know me, you enjoy it because you're like, she's awkward and weird, but like, I love her because she's my friend. If you're just a stranger watching it, you're like, what the fuck is this? So I had a YouTube, I made the YouTube channel. He's like, YouTube's the future, this and that. Like three weeks later, he's like, like, screw YouTube. You got to get a podcast. And I was like, really? Like, it just started making all these videos. I just bought a uh, LED circle light. <laughs> yes, I do have one. Me too. Which is wonderful for like, it makes you look so beautiful. Oh, I, it, the sparkle it puts in your eyes. I'm like, yeah, gorgeous. I'm like, my eyes have never looked better. It's not realistic. I should just get it to like, look at myself, like take some online dating pictures and be like, hey, boys. Oh, honestly, like I exclusively FaceTime in front of it just because it, it, that's amazing with like, and I'm like, you know, it's with yeah. like family members, but it, it just makes me feel like the best version of myself. Totally. It's not like it's editing me. Just yeah. It's just brightening. It's what Mariah Carey's been doing for 20 years. Totally. So he was then like, you need a podcast. I was like, what the hell would I have a podcast? Like I was saying to you earlier, you carry your podcast when you do these two. You talked about Mormon mommy bloggers for two hours and 20 minutes. And I was captivated. And I Arguably too long. <laughs> no, I loved it. I did break it up into like two sessions because I was doing other things. But I loved it. I am not someone who is interesting enough to talk for two hours or even an hour by myself. No one wants to hear me talk for an hour by myself. So it's like, I need a friend. So, and I don't really even know. I mean, Becca is one of my best friends. I think I reached, I think I asked her because we both always bond over the same terrible YA books. Like the selection series that we read a couple of years ago was like our, we just like loved it. And at the time I thought we had the same taste in books. So I was like, let's do a podcast. And then she was like, fortunately in this, like her new year's resolution was to say yes to everything. So she's like, That's awesome. yes. <laughs> but what was funny was she's been the biggest asset in building this podcast because her friend, Rachel, like knew all of the things about podcasts, like what equipment we needed, like that you upload it to this thing called Libsyn, like what you do in the back end, like how it all works. Right. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. So she like ended up being kind of like that the athlete there like being like this is what we have to do and she's like like one day all our voices like my voice was going into one here in headphones and her voice was going into oh the you other. did you mix up the l and r thing on yes. that <laughs> but she's like this is how we fix it like she's like the best person to have as your partner because she figures it out and like gets it done like i mean i'll be like oh it's fine we can have one ear and one ear and like the podcast probably would have died and no one would have listened so she ended up being like the best partner someone could ever ask for because she's just, she's, first of all, she's one of the smartest people I know, but she also is like so good at like all the technical stuff and like, right. you know, even working with the venues and the live shows, like she just knows all the lingo to talk. And I'm like great with getting us guests and booking, getting us hotel rooms when we're traveling right. and like doing more of the like bloggery stuff. And then of course the audience, but um, we complement each other really well. But at the time, it was purely based on the fact that we both loved bad YA novels. <laughs> and like to be in your 30s and, and to connect on that, I don't even know if you realize how like niche and specific that is. I've, yeah. I, I well, don't have anybody ever bring up YA novels to me. Well, you should join our Facebook group because there's a lot of that. But we actually have expanded. We talk about yeah. like we maybe do a YA book here and there, but it's mostly just like bestsellers and like things that are really buzzworthy. But that's the beauty of podcasts and those Facebook groups is because 
you find your community, you find your home. Mm-hmm. How, I'd say 75% of my interests, I have, I have nobody to talk to about because yes. my friends don't care or watch the same things. I start the podcast. The reason I can talk for so long is because I found people that care about the same things I do that aren't my friends in real life. And it's very freeing. That's how I feel. I feel like I have all these fellow introverts that like want to lay under their gravity blankets with their cats and a book. And like, I'm like, I have my people. Yeah. Like people who care so deeply about skincare the way I do and want to like discuss like what, what makes this like plant-based retinol different from this chemical retinol and like why you should try either one. I don't know. Wait, can I ask you a controversial question based on an Instagram question? Yes. Somebody said they do not believe that you've never had Botox. I haven't yet. I'm not opposed you. to it. I mean, look at my forehead. Have you had it? Yeah, I have it right now. Do you see how I can't scrunch my face? I have I have a, very a, a really strong one, but I don't get a lot of it. But like I have a very strong one and I have a very, you know, everybody says they have yeah. a strong, but resting face. But like people regularly will ask me if I'm lost. Oh it, it's not bitchy. It's like confused. And I just like I think my face falls where I'm thinking and I've loved it just to like train my, honestly, I yeah. don't get it that much, but my face has been trained to like not scowl. Yeah. However, when you were talking earlier about when you, you said like you look young and your mom looks young for me, it's not your features. It's because you take incredible scare, like I take incredible very care, good care of, care of yourself. My skin. And I think that's and a I testament to the stuff I, you share, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, and I drink a lot of water and I eat pretty healthily. I mean, I had a bagel yesterday. It was glorious, but I, uh, I don't know. I haven't had it yet. I'm so not opposed to it. Like the second I feel that I need it, yeah. I will. I'm not into the whole preventative thing. I think that's, and I could be wrong. I think it's a lot of bullshit made up by dermatologists to like get more money and get yeah, more yeah. people doing it. Uh-huh. I think preventative is like do a lot of face masks, use a retinol, use a vitamin C serum, mm-hmm. like take care of yourself. Like, but who is to judge me for spending $265 on a bottle of Augustina's Butter cream that I use, you know, I use up a bottle every three or four months versus, and like all the money that I spend on face masks. And luckily, yes, a lot of this stuff I do get sent for free. Um, and all the money I spend on retinol treatments and like getting facials versus Botox. I'm sure I spend just as much money on my skincare routine. What makes doing a mask every night and like religiously slathering on retinol two to three times a week any less vain than getting Botox? Like, why is there a stigma around that? I will 100% get Botox or fillers naturally and tastefully done when I feel that I need them. I already feel like I need something around my eyes. Like, I just don't know what it is. Like, uh, honestly, like it it is actually, (laughs) what's cool is to meet somebody who is a champion for clean beauty, for natural beauty, for, non-injectable beauty and you actually live up to your hype i feel like i'll meet a lot of people that that not i don't want to say that they don't but like i really do feel like you're sincere you take good care of yourself even if it's not popular even if it's expensive even if you're like i'm not saying this also is for the butter this cream is, is not do. clean and i use i say at 80 20 like if it's yeah, on my true. body i try and use a clean shower gel clean moisturizer because you're putting so much of that on your face you're putting two pumps of something on your skin it's fine yeah like maybe it's not fine but it's it's fine to me (laughs) that's 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 fine to me and i again i'm like totally all in for anything that makes you look and feel better that's the bottom line 
right? Yeah. I think that's yeah. what people forget is like people have their set of recommendations, but like you're not your hands aren't tied to like any of this. Yeah. It's it's 100% your choice. Yeah, and I take good care of my skin and I have good genes and no one in my family has done Botox and they were like I was talking about maybe doing it and they were all horrified. And like, that's just like how my, we grew up on Cape Cod. Like we're kind of a bunch of hippies. Like I love trying like natural things. Like, um, what is it? It's, um, prickly pear extract is, is in Morocco. It's considered the natural Botox. So Mm. like things like that, like my, we're all, we're big into that kind of stuff, but I just think everyone should do what makes them happy and what makes them feel their best. And like, I will, I will probably, if you talk to me in two years, I will definitely have had Botox. I'll, I'll circle back with yeah. you. But also I, the, I was talking to Courtney Kerr about this when she was did under the influencer. Um, my, I hang get up, so mad at the criticism she gets. Like, why do people care? Also, it, it's not meeting her in person. I was like, she's so like beautiful and like vibrant. And like, I am just like, why people are so weird. She, cause she's very into skincare. And, um, my hang up with skincare uh, as a commodity, as like a corporation, like, the, you know, people promoting it is like, I don't, I have trouble trusting any business that is grounded in me seeing the results 15 to 20 years later. Cause in real time, I'm never going to be able to make that totally. call. And that's why I think there's some, like, there is a lot of snake oil, but I have trouble discerning between what is and isn't that. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm more um, in tune with, quick fixes yeah, like Botox or Diceboard yeah. or chemical peels yeah, or whatever. I have had a chemical peel and I loved it. it was, I think those are the most underrated. It's like 20 seconds and it's just like, you're so pretty. Yeah. And you're not Samantha in sex in the city. You're not like no. red raw pizza face. It's like gradual. It's kind of like doing an intense retinol. Yeah. And it completely removes the dead layer of skin. You yeah. brighten. Yeah. I'm a big champion of those. Yeah. Too. I need to do another one of those. Um, okay. So the other side of what made you feel like, you were, you know, the shit, you had your big moment, not bring it down. I think it's helpful when people understand, like, is there a moment you had in this influencer world where you were like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to quit. I don't love this. And some people don't have them, but some people have moments where they just really don't identify with what they're doing. It was, um, yeah, this whole fall, I told you there were seven months and I, I, I don't know. I can look it up somewhere in my analytics where I did not grow on Instagram. I was losing followers just from posting. I was like, I've just always been someone that like, I didn't buy followers. I was like, like, what did I do that is causing just this mass exodus? And that was actually the norm at the time. Like I didn't know it like, cause no one talks about this. Yeah. But for seven months I was either not growing or losing followers. I was stuck at one Oh four for, I think we talked about that for like six or seven months. Then I remember I, Grew a little bit. I got up to 107 over a few months. Then I went down to 106 or 105. And I was like, this is so disheartening. At the same time, advertisers only wanted Instagram posts and not blog posts. And I was like, I would always say the same thing. Or my manager would. I have an amazing person who helps me with my blog partnerships. And I would say, if you re- if your objective is driving sales, like, please like go to the blog, do a blog post. I know it's more money, but like it's going, that's where you're going to get your results. And everyone was just like, sorry, we we, like these marketing agencies and brands have it bucketed. It's like blog and Instagram are separate things. Like they have an Instagram budget or they have a blog budget. So we would do these Instagram campaigns. And frankly, I rarely got 
a second, um, like a what's repeat business because yeah, right. my Instagram, that's not where I'm strong. Right. Whereas if you do a blog post with me, and I'm not saying this to like advertise myself, but if you do a blog post with me, I almost always get repeat business because it, I, my audience trusts me. I only work with brands that I really love and believe in and people come back again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that was really hard. And I remember actually with the podcast, I wanted to quit the podcast this winter too, because like, first of all, nothing was growing. I was upset by that on my own channels, but I was also like then kicking furiously and like working my tail off to like try and get everything to grow again. And the podcast just felt so unnecessary. I was so tired. I was working so hard. I felt like it wasn't, it didn't matter. I was like, why am I doing this? Like it's exhausting. Like what value is this adding for people? And then we took six weeks off over the holidays because we joke that holiday grace is a monster because I'm doing gift guides. (laughs) I don't think I'm even going to do gift guides this year. I'm so over them. Maybe I'll do one. I'm over gift guides too. They're such a, as an influencer, there is so much work to put together. I also have this like really beautiful format that like takes me like five hours to put together just one. Um, and so I think I'm just not going to do them. I, we'll see what happens. Like test and see what happens. Right. I, I support anything that comes from a place of like abundance and not fear. Right. Like you kind of approach it of like, in a sense of, I will make up for this in other ways if yeah. I'm not spending my energy on something I ultimately kind of resent. Totally. And I completely resent gift guides. I think I'm, I think you've heard it here first on Be There in Five. <laughs> I think that the stripe is going to skip gift guides this year because they suck. Yes, they're Trinkle s- Trinkle social media star will not be on the stripe. <laughs> this, it was so, there's so much work. And they're so exhausting and they were taking me away from things like more personal posts or things I cared about doing because I, you feel like you have to do them. Yes. So we did not do the podcast for six weeks. We took a break and we were just like, we're just really busy. But I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's really hard. It's really exhausting. And Becca was always so gung ho. I think when you're new to this space, like Becca would be like, look at all these DMS we got. This is so cool. And I'd be like, yeah, you can reply to those. Now Becca's like, oh my God, the DMs are out of control. I don't know what to do. It's funny how like when someone who's not in the space. Yeah, you need new energy. Yeah. A hundred percent. So if she weren't, if she didn't love it so much and I hadn't felt like I was letting her down by like quitting doing the podcast, I would not still be doing it. But, and then we picked back up. We started bringing on guests and it started to grow and we really hit our stride. And I was like, and my, because of that, as a factor of that, my Instagram started to grow. Mm. My blog started to grow. It really became like this lever that was, I think because when you have a podcast, people spend an hour and a half talking to you and they get to know you better. And I think that's when I think people, you were like, people like you so much. I think it's because of the podcast. Because they got to know you on like yeah. a deeper level. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm, yeah, I was going to say like what shifted, but that makes sense to me that you felt stagnant. There's a sense of inertia. But when you're doing the same thing over and over, yeah. even the thing you're doing that feels like it's detracting from the thing you're sick of, the thing you're doing at least is breaking inertia. It's moving yes. you forward. Exactly. And I think that people don't realize that you have to take a few step back sometimes to move forward. And when you're a person, whether you're a B plus or an A minus, <laughs> you need progress. You don't need a destination. You don't need an, like to be where you want to be. You just need to feel like you're progressing. And when it's negative. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to talk yourself out of it. It's so hard. Like 
I have, I've said this publicly before. Like, I don't really care if my Instagram grows that much. Like the, as I said, the DMS are hard enough to keep up with. So like keep that number where it is. But like when is when you're losing followers just from posting? Yeah, you're like you're actively you're clicking. actively like yeah, it's I offensive. hate you. Like <laughs> get agree. me out of here. I agree. Like you that like takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I posted like endorsing Hillary for president, I lost like five thousand followers or something. Really, five thousand? It might have been five hundred. Now that I think about it. No, it was. I think it was like five. I think it was a thousand. Lot. It was a lot. It was back in the day. Because I was with Hallie and Jess, and I was it was before before Trump was even candidate. I was like so excited that Hillary was running, just because we'd never seen a, a woman yeah, running right, at right. that time. I think it was that a was thousand. before it was Not cool 5, to 000. speak out. Yes, and people were just like, "I can't believe you! Oh, this is horrifying!" And literally, all I did was on my feed, I posted a black screen that just said Hillary. <laughs> a lot of people that's were all you did. It. Mm-hmm. And but it was on my feed. Not well. I don't think there were stories yet. Oh right. This was so long ago. Yeah. And I like was just watching the number drop. I think it was a thousand. And it's I like you have those moments where you're like, all this equity I've built up over this yeah. these past ten years in one post is like yeah. the catalyst. It's a little bit discouraging. What do you think about it? And now in hindsight, I'm like, good God, good like, riddance. Good riddance. But attract and repel. Yeah. Right. It was just, there's been a lot of hard times. I think that this space is based, is all such like short-term gains. Like, oh, I got verified. Yay. Then it's like, oh, like I lost. Even like if you look, I look at my social blade analytics like a few times a week and like seeing those days where it's red and you lost 30 followers. It's like, oh, what did I do wrong that day? And you take it to heart or you get a negative DM. Like someone today was like, I really don't like how you post your to-dos on your Instagram story. Whereas like 30 people were like, I love how you post your to do's. It like really gives me a feel for what you do all day. It's that one mean one that stands out. And if there was a social listening tool that, uh, parsed DMS by sentiment and it showed you a percentage. Yeah. It'd be like 99%. Cool. Yeah. Moving forward. I'm doing great. And my background is in market research. And I try to think of sentiment that way. I love that. Yeah, it's it's like if you it's like social, but it's like anything. It's like follows unfollows, but also the um, I I don't look I don't look at who sees my story. I don't look at face at any Instagram analytics whatsoever because it was getting in my head, and I don't know if this is right or wrong. But my only barometer anymore is like, is this fun? Is this me? Is this what I want to be saying, or am I doing this to yield a result? And anytime I'm doing the latter, it's just like not working for me. And I, and I think strategically revenue generating wise, I should be doing more analytics and I come from an analytics background, but like it really was wearing on me. And I think I just didn't need to see the red anymore. And I, it just wasn't adding value to my life or day and helping me move forward in a meaningful way. Um, but any client I consult, I would, uh, very much scathe for not paying attention to those analytics. (laughs) I think there has to be this balance because I really do think that when you just do you and you post the stuff that you love, totally your people find you and they love it and they support you. Yes. I think I spent so much of my blogging career trying to be something I wasn't. And when I just started to be me, it started to grow. And also when I was like, I don't care if I grow, like I started to get more followers I'm honestly obsessed with your story in the context of like, I never really thought about the 
career trajectory of a person who was widely liked, but in the popularity in the current zeitgeist, maybe wasn't the perfect fit in the puzzle. But as society has evolved, it's leaned into more of what you're good at. Yeah, I so just hope it doesn't get all magazine again because I'll fail. I don't see But it now going. I know what I works really, for me. It, truly, I yeah. think that's like so magical in a sense of like, if you weren't always doing your thing, you wouldn't have noticed that this even happened. But it yeah. worked in your favor when it needed to because you never changed. No, but I did change because I was posting all those terrible Go back even a year in my feed and there's like these terrible professional shots where I'm standing awkwardly looking at the camera like <laughs> in a professional shot. You can take an iPhone photo where you're awkwardly looking at the camera and that's, that's fine. True. That's true. But like if you do that with a professional photographer and I get it, like no one wants to see an awkward professionally shot photo. I know. I know. Where you're looking at the camera holding your bag. Maybe there's a detail shot. Like, usually I'm, like, hunched a little bit because I'm nervous because people are walking by and looking at me. Right. No one wants to see that. I know. That is a thing that I would never... That's a that's a tough area of comfort, too. <laughs> but there are so many influencers who do it who so crush well. It, yeah. And I look at them and I'm like, you're killing it. I think that's... The, at the end of the day, that is... That's what matters. It's like, like... Look at Kat Sunita. Do you know her? I don't. She's another good one. She... Her photos are just so beautiful. She Everything she does is so aspirational. Her apartment is amazing. Yeah, it works but for some It works people. for her. But I could never try and be cat. Like, it would be a joke. Like, if I was, like, trying to post, like, me walking through a crosswalk in an all-neutral outfit with my hair curled, my hair would be in my face. My lip gloss would be, like, up to my nose. Like, I would look like a, I would look like a monster. Right. And, and, and done up is natural for some people, not done up is natural yeah. for some people. Yeah. It, 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 I think that like any more, what used to feel like, um, intense, com intense competition. It's not anymore. It's not because people prevail for their own stuff that you can't replicate. Mm -hmm. And we're all just out there. Like anyone who's just fully themselves, like you have a podcast. I have a podcast. I'm like, everyone should listen to Kate's podcast because she's so funny and she does these different things and these in influencer series. And you don't even like pop culture. I don't like, I don't listen to those. Sorry. I love I'm you. But mad. like, I listen to your influencer series. I listen to anything like, like the, um, the Royal stuff. I like, I like the, the, the Mormon mommy blogger. I loved, obviously I've talked about that 20 times this episode, <laughs> but, um, and like people like Kat or, you know, when Helena from Brooklyn Blonde tags me, yes, we will talk about skincare, but our styles are so unique. And she has a child with another one on the way. And it's not competitive. It's like, it's just all these cool people who are interesting and doing their own thing. And when you do that, you're going to be successful. Totally. It's when you try and be something you're not. And I 100% agree. And I almost feel like people find the authenticity answer to be trite. And I'm like, actually, it's, it's the really good farthest advice. thing from that. And the word feels trite, but it actually requires a great deal of like looking inward. It does. And figuring out like what your thing is. And, and that's what I can't encourage people to do more. And what I always tell people is I think the biggest um, rule for me, and, and I think what stands in a lot of people's way is abandoning what your immediate reference group thinks about you, it's a little embarrassing and it just is what it is. And like your oh my God. friends and family are not going to get it. Your boyfriend, whatever, like my husband's blocked. Like 
It's fine. I love that you have your husband blocked. It, like I, I, you said that on Girls Gutty, and I was like, "That's genius." Whoever I date next will be blocked. And a lot of people were like, "That that was like the weirdest thing I'd ever heard." And I was like, "Honestly, I love him so much, and our relationship is so special that he doesn't need to be dragged into my persona, which is very much me." But just like you should have platonic friends and romantic friends and familial love, and like you need all sorts of different relationships in your life, and he doesn't have to be in my pop culture realm. Like yeah. it just. He, he know it's not like I hide it from him. I just don't want him to like come home and ask me about it because I want to keep our relationship like sacred in that sense, I guess. Totally. And you, you said earlier, nobody cared when you got nobody cared when I got verified. I like no. called my mom at 7 a.m. She's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. My mom, when we did our first live show, I was like, because I didn't think we were going to have more. I was like, she's like, oh, maybe I'll come. I'll try. And I was like, no, you better come. Right. And she, I was like, this is a big deal. I'm on Broadway. Like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very dramatic. Like I'm not, I didn't actually think I was a Broadway star, but Similar I was like, I'm like, Broadway. I'm on Broadway. You better be there. And she was just like, ah, I'll try. But like, I think it's also, this is a totally another tangent we could talk about as an influencer. I think it is so good and so important to surround yourself with people who are not in this space and we're yeah. not so reverential because I think a lot, it's easy. I don't have this problem. It's easy to get a very big head working in this space because so many people are just telling you how amazing you are all day. Like you need just people who are going to keep it real. Yeah. Like, some of my friends won't come to our live shows. A lot of my friends like are like, oh, I don't read your blog. Sorry. And I'm like, cool. You don't have to. It's yeah. not because they don't like me or don't think what I'm doing is interesting or don't respect me. They're busy. Right. We're all busy. <laughs> we all have our things. Like my friends who work in finance, I'm not required to like be up to speed on like their latest thing. I'm just like, I don't know. They do something in finance. And then we like hang out and do our things. Uh, totally. My biggest philosophy in life as I, the older I get, the more I'm just like, good for you, not for me. Exactly. That's like all that matters. I'm yes. going to ask you a few rapid fire listener questions oh, okay. before you fall asleep. Okay. Are you okay? I'm great. I could talk to you forever. Oh God, I love likewise. talking about myself. I haven't been on someone else's <laughs> podcast in so long. And it's so fun. Just like, I don't have an outline in front of me. I'm not stressed. I don't have to edit this. Like, I'm just like, okay, let me tell you about me. Well, no. And that's why, like, I don't send people, you know, too many details before, because I feel like sometimes people don't even know how they feel until they hear themselves talk. And funny. it's important for me to hear how people feel as an influencer, because so much of what you talk about can be very easily judged or perceived as taboo on your own platform. Yes. On I mean, I just say whatever. Platform. If I'm prompting you, no yes. one's going to fault you for it. And yes. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You know, candidly. Um, so I've, I have a few okay. funny ones. So there's a, several people that said no question, but tell her she's awesome and bad on paper. Rocks. Oh, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> How many Amazon nightgowns do you have in total? I only have two, but I have two coming. <laughs> I love my Amazon nightgown. I only have the, the light pink and then the pink and purple one, but I ordered red and blue and I'm waiting for them. The they primary said, colors are out very out of stock. I know red and blue are hard to get, but apparently they've shipped but I'm waiting. I'm like, where are you? What, what was the origin of that, by the way? So the Amazon nightgown was featured on some account and then Hitha from Hitha on the go. She also has a newsletter called five smart reads, which is amazing. You should all sign up for it. She basically takes, sorry, this is a tangent, but she takes the five best articles of every day and puts them on her stories. And then every 
Saturday, she sends a newsletter out with like the five must read articles from every day. So it's 25 articles. Oh, I love that. It's like the denominator shrinks of popularity. Yes. Oh. I hope I said her last. I, I have several friends who I say their last names wrong. I'm bad at pronunciation. I think it's hit the palapoo. I gotta look. She's her been up. My, only been my friend for like eight years. But you call it right a first name. Yeah. <laughs> Just hit the hit the hit the. Um, so she has this amazing newsletter. It's on her website, Hitha on the go or in her Instagram bio, Hitha Palapu. Um, she posted about it in the newsletter. And I was like, I, this is like my thing. Like I love like any kind of boho caftan and I got it and it's perfect. It's cut very narrowly through the chest, but I think that's one of the things that actually makes it good because it's cut narrowly. So then it flows out and it's not, it doesn't make you look huge all over. Do you wear like, it outside the house? Yes, all the time. Because you said recently, like somebody told me this is not a nightgown. Oh, it's not a nightgown. It's a dress. Oh, My family dress. was like, that should be a nightgown because you look like an asshole. <laughs> My family was like, this is terrible. My dad was like, are you in the mamas and papas now? My sister was like, I don't, I don't see it. I think that would be a good thing to sleep in. And I was like, you would sleep in this? Like, it's very like. There's a lot of cords. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that- cords. I'd be tangled up in the cords. It feels like too much coverage. I'm like a t-shirt and boy shorts kind of girl yeah. or like a night shirt. Like right. I don't like a lot of fabric Me for sleeping. And I can't imagine the tassels. And I regram everyone else's pictures who send, who wears them. So I think that maybe there's a feeling that I have like 30 of them, but I only have two. I'm waiting for my other two. How do you navigate staying relatable and down to earth in the influencer position you're in? Because I think what's hard. And when I interview people, what I love about people is they don't see themselves as a person that, thousands hundreds of thousands of people don't idealize and that's like a good quality but also it's like why don't you really feel like that way about yourself you know what I mean I think at the end of the day I'm like a normal person like I just I have a lot of followers I have a nice apartment I do have some really nice possessions because I'm also in my late 30s and like I've been working for 17 years right. at this point. Right. So I should, I should have some nice things to speak for at this point in my life. But I think it's just keeping everything in mind, right? I think a lot of bloggers, we made our money in the early days from partnerships with the old Navy and, you know, like things like that. And just writing about what we loved and we were maybe making $50,000 a year at our day jobs and just like trying to make ends meet. And we became successful because we were, relatable to people. Right. And then what happens is you start making more money. You start getting more sponsorships. Like my skincare routine is not relatable. And I try and break it down by just talking about the things that people really need and want and love. But I'm literally sent thousands of dollars of product every month and I can't even try it all. I, I donate so much to shelters and like different organizations like Dress for Success or I have a friend in Cuba who like the women in Cuba have nothing because of their government, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I have access to so much in this space. So I try and make it like, okay, I know I have so much access to all this stuff. These are the things you actually need. These are the things that you actually want. These are the things I would buy with my own money if I weren't being sent them every day. I would buy the Dr. Botter cream every four months because it makes a difference in my skin. I would, I did buy the Amazon nightgown. Amazon is not gifting me. Um, They also only pay 6% commission. So it's not a lot of money, but like I try and just show the things I like and I try and just keep it really real. And I think there's like a lot of do's and don'ts in this world. Like don't complain, don't do this. But like, I think that people know I'm human 
And yeah. And I'm like, sometimes I mess up. Like, I'm sorry. Of course. Well, like yeah. another common question was like, do you have a singular like pet peeve among uh, other influencers that you really try to not do? Um, a big thing I, that bothers me, like if we're speaking really honestly is weight. I think in mm. this space, a lot of disordered stuff is encouraged. Like girls being like, oh, well, I ate and drank so much this weekend. So now I have to be at the gym every day. Like because I did X, I must do X. I could not agree more. I the, think the guilt, that's really the, the, the promotion of guilt. And there are days where I feel disgusting and fat and awful about myself. But at the end of the day, like I have a hundred and something thousand people following me and I'm not going to tell them that. Like, because how do you say that if someone is a bigger size than you and you're complaining about the five pounds or 10 pounds you put on because you've been like, I gained weight this summer and I haven't talked about it because I've talked about a little on stories because I was doing live shows and I was running around and I was killing myself at my job. And that's fine. But I'm, and I'll be like, I gained weight, but I'm not like, I'm disgusting or I gained weight. So I must do these things. Like I'll get back on track. Like I try and look at my body as my apartment. Like my apartment sometimes is messy. Sometimes it's like not. And like, it's like, just like, it kind of needs like a little bit of a a little extra attention. I love that analogy. (laughs) But like, it's, it's not permanent. Like your worth doesn't come because you have a messy apartment. And I think there's a lot of that. I think you're inviting people into your mess, right? Yeah. Like people don't necessarily know and can't tell unless you say it. And when you breathe life into it and breathe your own passing sentiment into it, it projects other people are going to absorb it. Yeah. The mess is temporary. Yeah. No one needs to absorb that. That's a big one. Um, I know there's other things. I think that there's the, the need versus want. There's when people are like, you need this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Like you can want something like the hard sell, the QVC of it all. (laughs) Yeah. Like you don't need an Amazon nightgown. Like it's great. I love it, but I'm never going to be like, you need this. Your life is incomplete. The Nordstrom sale stuff, like it's a lot. It's like, a lot. and I get it. Like, I only posted once about it. Like, to be, I'm always really honest. Like, I looked at my affiliate revenue, and across the board, I'm up versus last year, this past um, July. My affiliate revenue was down six thousand dollars because I didn't. I only talked about the Nordstrom sale once, and I was like, well, that's fine. Like, it's not great. Like, I would have liked to, again, as someone who likes money, I would like to have that $6,000. The other, are we just going to go on rants? The other thing is the Walmart partnerships. It's so inauthentic. It's, it's bad. Someone got mad at me because I, um, promoted all's well betting and I didn't realize Walmart owns them, but the betting is like so nice. It's all very luxurious. Interesting. Yeah. Like everything's like a hundred to $300. I had no idea very, very good betting. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like I don't even associate it with Walmart. Maybe they own it, but like, hmm. I I've never heard that. It's, it's different to me to promote a beautiful line of betting that I really like versus like a $17 white dress that every single blogger is suddenly wearing because it's Walmart is paying them so much money. Walmart did a mega push this past Huge year. Push. Huge and push. I don't, it's like, I can't fault people who uh, feel like that matches their, you know, revenue model or, or what they want to be doing. 
I but thought, was it on your podcast that Jess Dirty talked about it or was it on her own podcast? About Walmart? I yeah. don't remember. And she really, she justified it really well by talking about how she likes that they had Lord and Taylor product and this and that. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. So, so she was like, I try to separate myself from my reader and be like, where are these stores? Who can access them? And can they get a product that I really love that isn't maybe like available outside of like a major metropolitan? Yeah. Or online. And I think that's a totally valid approach, but that kind is. of speaks to like what we were talking about earlier. Like if you can weave it into a narrative that works with your core values, it's going to work. If you're just yeah. like need the cash grab, it's so, it's, obvious. it's so obvious. It's And it's like, you don't wear that. Like yeah. you're not wearing a jean skirt with the hem let out. Like, no, exactly. Like, we're good. It's not 2006. Um, I, I am in total agreement there. Um, did I already ask you how you balance making profit from followers and staying genuine? No, you didn't. But um, my rule is I'll only take a sponsored post if it's a brand I really believe in. And I try and keep my sponsored content to like 20% of what I'm putting out there. Okay. So like max two sponsored blog posts a week because I do six blog posts a week. Okay. Max. Like if I'm doing two sponsored Instagrams that week, it's like I will do, I'll make sure that I have at least 10 Instagrams that week of interesting sponsored. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you needed more money and took something that you felt like you wouldn't have otherwise? Um, I don't think so. Damn. Good for you. I, I definitely save. have ad wise. Um, in the very early days, it wasn't cause I needed the money. It was like the very beginning of blogging proactive offered me $3,500 for four blog posts and like four Instagrams. It was not, it was like not a lot of money. Well, like Kendall Jenner only made like about 10 million. So yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but I, it was the most money I'd ever been paid. Well, yeah, and I said, sure. yes. And then I was like, so resentful because the face wash like bleached my washcloth. And I was like, what am I putting on it's my a, skin? It's a harsh product. It's very harsh. So this was literally eight or nine years ago, yeah. eight years ago. Cause I've been doing this for almost 10 years and I didn't ever accept any sponsored right. content until I was two years in not accept. I just was never even offered it. Cause it was so early. Oh yeah. That was a bad one. Um, I'm trying to think, I know there's been bad ones really like in the, I've just gotten so fussy, but I also, I cover so many different areas. So right. I'm not just fashion. So I'm pigeonholed. And if God knows if Walmart is paying the bills, like, and you only talk about fashion, I get it. But I talk about, like, I worked with Tivana on a partnership this summer and I love their teas. I, I loved your look Crusade. Is it Crusade or Crusade? Oh my God. Like Crusade. Yeah. Like, it's I, like LaCroix versus LaCroix. Like, oh my God. Yeah. That drives me nuts. That was one of my favorite partnerships I've ever done. That was cute. And yeah. I loved it. And it stuck with me. And like, I, it was, it was a very well done organic Thank post. You. Yeah. But I work across like kitchenware and home goods and beverages. I haven't done a beverage one in a while. Oh, well, the Tivana was one. I would really like, brand. I would really like Duncan. Oh yes. Prophecy wines. They're amazing. Yeah, Those, they are. Their Sauvignon Blanc is the best. Yeah. Um, skincare, makeup, fashion, there's never any shortage and I feel so lucky because that's, and that's a strategic thing. Like I've always known I could not cut it as a fashion blogger. I would be bored as just a beauty blogger. I could be a great beauty blogger. If I wanted to just only talk about beauty, I'd be so bored. 
right. be a great books blogger, but I'd be so bored. I need to be interested. So I'm always talking about something different. And also like just from a revenue perspective, I want to be able to talk about as many different things and be have advertisers of all different things be able to work with me, if that makes any sense. It makes so much sense. And that's the exact type of reason I do these interviews because I want to highlight uh, the the business savvy of people that have succeeded because everybody ever tries to have a vlog. It's very hard to even produce the content. It's even harder to make the relationships with the partners. It's even harder to sustain it over especially a decade plus worth of time. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, in diversifying in that sense, you you can uh, color it happenstance or you can acknowledge that your common denominator wasn't a niche categorically. Your common denominator was you. Yeah. And I think when people do that, that's when it works is is because you, you try to compete by being like, I'm a beauty, I'm a lifestyle, I'm a fashion, I'm a home. But a lot of people span all of those things. I'd argue most people are normal humans that yeah. care a little bit about each. Yeah. And you don't have to be an expert. And I almost think it gives you more credibility that you're not like, you don't claim to be a fashion expert. Mm-mm. You don't claim to be a kitchen expert. It doesn't make me trust you any less though, because I don't think you're going to hawk something that I don't, that you don't fundamentally agree with. Yeah. It's just all shit I like. And it's definitely like shit across a lot of different categories. And I've had people be like, this feels really random. Oh, you know, it was a funny partnership I did years ago. This is so off topic. But, you know, when you go to the movies and they have that fountain and you can pick all the different drinks from like you can be like, I want Diet Dr. Pepper oh, yeah. with vanilla, that machine. Yeah. So that machine or Coke, but <laughs> that machine reached out to me about a sponsored That is post. my dream sponsorship. <laughs> I was literally like, this is a dream. That's amazing. So I went to the movies and I did this whole post about like me around New York and how I like to spend a perfect day. And it ended with me in the movies making and the it's soda. Been- <laughs> I got so much criticism. People were like, I can't believe you've really sold out now. And in hindsight, like I wouldn't take a partnership with them again. Yes. It does look bad. But my friends can attest, like I saw that machine in the airport the other day. I was like, they have the thing. They have the thing. I freaking love that machine. And And they were like, my friend was like, what is the thing? I was like, you know, you can get like the diet root beer, like, so gross. I don't drink diet soda unless I'm like at the airport or at the movies. <laughs> That's a hilarious distinction. I drink it all the time. And those are the only machines that offer commercial cream soda. Oh yeah. Cream is soda is so good. And half. Yeah. And diet root beer is so hard to find. Cream soda. Like I know it's bad. Don't That's like hilarious me. that people skewered. <laughs> I got crucified. This was years ago. They're like, you've really sold out. It's so disappointing to see this. I was like, no, but like I'm being authentic. Like I love this soda machine. Um, two more questions for you. Well, yeah. uh, several people like jokingly said drill her on pop culture. LOL. <laughs> I don't know anything. Do you they, know I get made fun of because I told Becca that Kate Beckinsale was on a date with Pete Wentz. No, it was the wrong Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at pop, pop culture. Like. I used awesome. to subscribe to Us Weekly and I don't anymore. And I think I need to just to like get back in the groove. Can you name one offspring of the Kardashian clan, whether it's Courtney, Chloe, Kim, Kylie, K- Kendall? Is Mason one? Yeah. Yes. Shocked you picked Mason. Do you oh, know- North? Yes. North by Northwest. <laughs> Northwest. Like South by Southwest. No, yeah. <laughs> um, Northwest. And, ex- and Northwest. Northwest. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, what is another one that she has? There's a girl. I don't know. That was what's the girl that I. There's several. There's there's what's North, Kim's girl. Kim's girl is North, and then there's Saint, and then there's Saint. Chicago, and then there's Psalm, and then oh, Courtney God. has Mason, uh, Penelope, and Rain. Penelope Chloe is true. Ka- Kylie has. Kylie has one now. I literally Stormy, all I know is the Kylie Lip Rob kit. has Dream. They all have wacky names. But you did better. I th- I'm it's, impressed you didn't. It's too. all too much. It's too it's much for me. You guys, I'm old, and I just I don't I don't. Somebody did ask what is her opinion of Taylor Swift, and I I have I I skipped the question because yeah. I was like we would get in too much of a conversation. But do you have like a boilerplate thought? I think she's so cute. I yeah. like her music. I think she's okay. so cute. I think I like, I thought the one thing I will say is I thought she was a little late to the party with political activism. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Taylor, like you could have maybe swung the election. Like if Taylor had come out as a Hillary though? fan, like maybe Trump wouldn't be here today. And I'm not, I don't know what your audience is like. I'm not here to get all political, but like hate Trump. So, well, and she, so like, it's funny because her hardcore fans. So she wore like a cold shoulder top. And posted uh, in the uh, Hillary Trump election, like, don't forget to go to the polls. And Hillary has that iconic cold shoulder photo from the 90s. And it was like almost her like homage to Hillary and everybody knew what she meant. That was like her fan. But the mainstream did not. Yeah. And arguably now what's funny is she just got out of a 13 year country music record deal. And I really don't think she had the choice. Interesting. So I think that. She, oh. The second, literally, she got out of her contract November first. Her first political post was like November sixth. Oh shit! Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people don't think yeah, about. Yeah, because country music in the south. Yeah, right. And I think Fuck. that regardless of what side you skew, if you if the activism either way is is the point, I if don't it's going to kill your it. whole business, it's hard. It's really hard because like there's a balance even as an influencer to strike where you gotta. You need to stay true to yourself. You need to stick up for what's right and what's wrong. But also, like, if you're going to kill your whole business, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I always try to uh, alert people that there might have been extenuating circumstances that prevented her free speech. So as much as you can try to not factor that in to her persona, the better because at least she's doing it now. Yes. And I'm forever conflicted with that. Do we let people evolve or do we accuse them of the things they should have done earlier? Like, I don't know. That's like a bigger conversation. <sighs> it's a bigger. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> what? Okay. My typically my last question is like, what? What do you think is like the most misunderstood thing about your job that you wish you could just like clear up once and for all that would make y- you moving forward more fearless? Like. If one thing could just be like understood across the board, can you think of it? I just think it's like, it's so all encompassing and so much work. Yeah. Um, you said something interesting. Merit said it, I think on her episode with you, it's not hard work, but it's so much work and no one can to be good at it. No one can do it, but you like, I can't have outsource stories and DMS and, writing my blog posts because it needs to be in my voice. That's what people come for. So I'm trying to figure out ways to outsource other things like uploading the images and helping me run errands and helping me manage my calendar. And it sounds so 
it sounds so freaking pretentious to say that, but like, I need help. Like I am drowning. Like I am up late working every night. I get up, I start working at seven 30. Like I'm not fucking around. Like I take yoga once a day for an hour, but like, yeah, I don't, I'm back at the point where I don't have much of a life and I hate that. So I'm trying to like get, a get around, get a I'll better handle yeah. on that. It's just, it's so much work and it's not hard work. It's not rocket science, but there's just so much to do at yeah. all times. Yeah. If there, if there's like one thing you want to like leave people with, like if you want something, what is the impression you want to leave for people? Like I always say, um, for me, influencers, it's like, did I leave your page better off? Right. Yeah. I like to leave people feeling like they just like had coffee or a glass of wine with their best friend. Like they came, they like learned something. They got, they feel better about themselves. They felt like they, yeah, I guess learned something is the big one or were inspired mm -hmm. or, um, were entertained. Right. No inferiority. No, 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 I am so not here for like, like that's a big thing. Cause I feel inferior going to so. Oh, sorry. Hiccups. <laughs> I feel inferior going to so many sites or things and just feeling like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like, right. I just think we need to all be like a little more honest and realize like nobody has a clue what they're doing. We're all just like kind of figuring things out as we go. Yeah. I'm like, I'm here to be like the light part of your day. Like come to my site yeah. and like learn about a new beauty product. Watch my story and watch me put lipstick on and talk about my cat. But like, I am not. Pod Save Am I say this about my podcast. I'm not Pod Save America. I'm not the New York Times. I am here to entertain you. And if you like it, like, that's awesome. If you don't like it, there's plenty of people who do. So, like, come on by. Or don't come by. <laughs> right. But, Attract and repel. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just doing what I think is interesting and putting out content that if I was a reader or a listener or an Instagram viewer or whatever it is, I would find interesting. But I do not have any um, conceptions. Yeah. I don't have any misconceptions that I am like changing the world with what I'm doing. I hope that I change the world a little bit by like providing my audience with a little bit of sunshine and like confidence that like it's okay to be single in your 30s and it's okay to not have a plan and not have everything figured out. And like hopefully like. I think that by installing that confidence in the people who come to my site, like I'm doing something good, but I am not under the um, operation that I'm doing the Lord's work. Like I'm just here yeah. like having some fun. I said the Lord's work and I'm not even really that religious. No, but, but like what's funny is the Lord's work has become like a colloquialism <laughs> for doing something unimportant that you like personally deem it. Like whenever somebody's doing like a Bravo deep dive, it's like the Lord's work. Like, Oh, that's funny. So it's almost actually accurate because if it's like yeah. kind of trivial, the Lord's work, Nordstrom anniversary. Sale. Yeah, exactly. The end sale. Yeah. But like, I just, I, I want to give you to wrap up great, like all the credit in the world, because when I do my podcasts, I wrap them up. I ask for people to like, give me grace to like make mistakes, to speak out of turn, to not edit this properly, to, yeah. to do something imperfectly. And, um, I think that like, you are such an example of a person who's very honest, who's very transparent for like better, for worse. You don't care the outcome your integrity means more to you 
then your affiliate fees, then your brand partnerships. And I just, I think that's very uncommon. And I think it's, it's very, uh, it's, it deserves to be celebrated in a way that you're never going to do for yourself. So I just want to, to reiterate that I think you've done a beautiful job encouraging people to lean more into who they are, size agnostic, income agnostic, life stage agnostic. And um, you've done a brilliant job making it cool to be exactly who you are, which could not be more in tune with the times and which could not be more important for anybody's like personal life. And for that, I love you. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> this is, I, I'm going to have the biggest head. Like I'm just going to replay this episode, the intro and the outro, like whenever I feel bad about myself. Lastly, uh, where are your live shows coming up? Oh my God, you guys come to our that's, live shows. That's like the most important thing. Like they're so fun. I they're went to so one. Fun. That's how we really became friends. Like Kate yeah. came to our live show. We met her afterwards and then we ended up going to a fun dinner the next night and getting kind of drunk. Yeah, it was a blast. We came over two nights. Yeah. Saw you both nights. Yeah. New friends. I'm, I'm, and if I can like get a friend, I'm very aggressive in the time. Like I have so much trouble meeting people in my like, not industry, but like, you know, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to find, especially like I have so many blogger and influencer friends and they're amazing, but podcasting is this whole new world. Like I feel like you and then Ashley and Raina are like my only podcast friends i've made a few others but right. like and like being supportive within that like yes. ashley and Raina are so big yet they're, they're so so, big. so kind and yes. cool and like open yeah and like i'm not gonna like go to like a party on a rooftop and be like danielle bernstein i love your work like, yeah take a photo with me like yeah like those people that's don't literally what that would be like yeah. it's funny because like comparatively like my podcast downloads to ashley and Raina's podcast downloads it would be like me tr- me being friends with Danielle Bernstein. Although I don't think I have anything in common with Danielle Bernstein. Right, Whereas like Ashley and Raina, I was massive. like, oh, you're my people. Yeah. Um, and that's more what it's about. But it's funny that um, like hanging out with them and talking shop because like they're on this level and I'm like, hey, just like trying to monetize this. Oh, I know. I talk, yeah. I, I like after I left my phone in the snowbank going to the Girls Gotta Eat um, podcast live, I did like, a <laughs> long combo solo with my... Uh, Podcast listeners just being like, I don't, I mean, like, wow, like that, yeah. that is the, like, that's an end game. That's amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I could just or would it. entertain people that way. Yeah. But what's cool is we're all trying to like establish a community, figure out the way to do it the best way we can with our own vibes. And I'm very grateful to have met Grace and Becca because every time you go to the Be There in Five podcast, it says listeners also subscribe to Bad on Paper. Oh, but wait, our live shows. Oh yeah, please. Sorry. We're going to Philly, D.C., Atlanta, Dallas, San Francisco, New York, and then hopefully back to Chicago and also to LA. Chicago, LA, and New York are all kind of unconfirmed right now, but they're on the list for this fall. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Yeah. We're excited. That that is making things happen. That's awesome. Go support them. Please support Bad on Paper, thestripe.com, at Grace Atwood at Becca Freeman. And uh, thanks for listening. And thank you for another perfect, perfect episode of Under the Influencer, where we did indeed get slightly under the influence. But that's the entire goal, because toward the end, we open up. Yes, this was so fun. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun. I appreciate you guys always being down for a, you know, a two-hour app. I know it's not for everybody, but enough of you have said... I want, I like them long, keep them long. And I figure like if I have great information from somebody, like why 
chop it up just for the sake of being short. Like if you can't finish it, you can't finish it, come back to it later. So I appreciate you being um, supportive of this format. I think it's great to just have like a really in-depth discussion and yeah, I won't, I won't keep you much longer. Just a friendly reminder to um, follow me at be there in five on Instagram, patreon.com slash be there in five is where you can get bonus episodes. You can support the podcast, um, support the deep dives. And I put up extra content that does not go on iTunes or Spotify. This past weekend, I put up videos of me and my sister playing name that tune and finish the lyric. And I don't know, it makes me like cry laughing, but also we think we're funny as all sisters do. Um, and don't forget to, Check out Simple Health at simplehealth.com slash be there in five for free birth control. I am so excited about companies that are doing things like making basic health care more accessible to women, regardless of, of your income, of your proximity to a clinic or your, your insurance status. Um, so please check that out. At least read the reviews. It's a really, really cool company. And uh, yeah, but give us five stars. I, I, would, I would so, so appreciate it subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, if you want to join Be There in Five, Be There in Five's totally casual, breezy Facebook group. There is a, a bit of a queue. I'm starting to like, I'm going to let more like waves of groups in every like week or two. Um, and there are two questions that you have to answer. And one, if you actually listen to the podcast beginning to end, even if you just listen to one episode beginning to end, you would know the answer to, but shockingly, nobody's writing it. So that's actually been really helpful for me to know, like, if you're like looking for gossip or if you actually listen. So anyway, just something to keep in mind. And uh, otherwise, I would, I'd love to have all of you who are listeners in. It's so much fun to have an ongoing dialogue. And I use that group as like my primary focus group for everything. And yeah, but regardless, if you're here, I love you. And I'm so appreciative. And I hope you'll come back. We have such fun guests and episodes coming up in the near future. And I can't wait to spend more time with you. So with that, as always, let me know your thoughts. And I will let you know mine. I will be there in five. I swear. <laughs>